the Twins, the Rangers, the Phillies, and the Diamondbacks are advancing. The Blue Jays, the Rays, the Marlins, and the Brewers are headed home. The division series are now all set. Get our reactions and our predictions coming up right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is episode 112. Alex and I are coming to you. It is Thursday, October 5th. AJ, what a opening series we saw. Um, pretty amazed we saw all sweeps. Uh, I, I, I will say I, I was expecting someone to be playing tonight. I was expecting this episode to be delayed a little bit. Probably us start filming or start recording at uh, 8, 8.30 tonight. And then we'd be basically, you know, uh, going uh, going later into the night to, rec- to record and cover the wildcard series. But uh, yeah, every team that won uh, just basically want to get it done at AJ. Uh, what were your thoughts so far on the uh, on the wildcard series and uh, all sweeps? Yeah, definitely fun. Uh, I obviously no one really expected uh, four straight sweeps uh, in these two of three series because everyone that made it this far is probably at least a decent team. But um, I think in pretty much every every matchup, Travis, we saw one of the teams clearly look a little bit better than the other. Uh, it's hard to judge a team off, you know, two, you know, mediocre games. If the, uh, you know, you lose two in a row to another good team, it's kind of rough to have your season end that way. But that's the nature of the wild card. And I think that we have some fun uh, series to kind of recap. And then before we make our picks for the divisional series. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, we'll, we'll actually get right into that, Alex. Uh, let's start with the American League side. Um Twins take two against the Blue Jays and the Rangers take two against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. And Alex, I mean, Rays and Blue Jays, first things first. I mean, I I think they left their offenses. Well, Toronto left their offense at home and Tampa was home and they just didn't show up. It was just plain and simple. Both teams just could not score runs. And I think that's the big storyline there because... Twins take game two, uh, two nothing. And then I think in game one, they won four to one. So Blue Jays only scored one run throughout the whole entire playoffs. And then with the Rays, I think they lost game two, seven, one, and they lost game one. I think again, it was four to one. So they only scored two runs uh, in both playoff games. And, And going back to last year, it's funny, Alex, Rays had the same problem. They could not score runs against the Guardians and ended up getting swept in that series. So now... It's it's kind of sad to say, but the Rays, I mean, ever since 2020, they just have not been a playoff team. They've been a first round exit all three seasons after 2020, which, you know, you 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 hope to see something different because of just how much success they're able to bring in the uh, regular season. But um, the main storylines for me, Alex, is, you know, I think it's been 18 years, but Twins got their first playoff win. Amazingly, I, I could not believe that stat or that that uh, that that figure. It just it 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 
confuses me that they could not get a win in the playoffs since 2003, I believe. And then they won their first playoff series, I think, since either 2003 or 2002. So it's been a while for the Twins to have some postseason success. But this year, everything looks good. Uh, pitching was on par. And then also with the Rays-Rangers series, uh, Rangers-Bats, I mean, they just they look like they could be one of the most dangerous uh, teams offensively in these playoffs right now. I think they scored a combined 11 runs in two games. So uh, I guess let's start with uh, Twins and Blue Jays, AJ. You picked, the, you picked the Twins when we did our first episode. I picked the Blue Jays. Uh, twins in, in just dominant pitching fashion took control of that game. But what do you make of that series? I think the pitching showing up the way it did is a really good sign for the Twins going forwards in the postseason. I expected the pitching to really show up because it's been really good all season. I saw a post-game thing from Max Kepler after they completed the 2-0 sweep. He was saying how impressed he's been with the pitching all season. The starters and the bullpen really have not let up at all throughout the course of the year, and so he expected them to get the job done in the wildcard series, and they did, of course. So I think that there's a lot to be happy about based on the arms that threw uh, for Minnesota. That being said, the Blue Jays have a very good offense, and I think people always get kind of caught up in like the, you know, dominant offense versus dominant pitching staff. Yeah. It was like a flip of a coin sometimes, but the Minnesota Twins surely got the best of the of the Blue Jays' uh, powerful offense. Mm-hmm. Also impressed uh, things that kind of stood out to me. Obviously, Carlos Correa, Travis, he kind of showed some. You know, I hate the cliche like veteran leadership or like the postseason experience, but I mean, he just made some defensive plays that showed um, his awareness. It showed his uh, smarts for the game. The instincts were on display. Um, there was, of course, the play that got past. I believe it got past. past um, I'm blanking on who was playing third base. It was the switch hitter. Oh, it was uh, Polanco. Yes, yeah, Polanco yeah. was playing third. The Biggio ball- was running. The ball got under his glove. Sorry, Bichette. Bichette was running, yeah. So Dante Bichette, right? According to Bob Nightingale, yeah, yeah, Dante Bichette still playing the game of baseball. But the ball got under the glove of the third baseman. Um, The runner that was running the third, Bichette, realized, you know, the ball's kind of in no man's land. Let me run home. But Correa, um, as shortstop, ran way out of position in a heads-up fashion to grab the ball, uh, throw it home on the move. You know, one of these, like, crazy on the run sidearm kind of diving throws that's right on the money just to get Bichette out at the plate um just a really impressive play that it's off script right and I feel yep. like Correa has a knack for that like there's times where in Houston in in big games or in the playoffs he would just be like an unconventional cutoff guy go to a different bag back pick a guy whatever it might be uh he's ready for those situations uh heads up and doesn't you know throw the ball away when it I mean a lesser experienced shortstop that might be a little bit more, you know, antsy, easily throws that ball away. Yep. It could become a really big inning. Uh, he got it done. There's another, of course, I think the turning point, not the turning point of the series, but I think almost what locked it up in many ways, momentum wise, is when the Blue Jays were down 2 0 in game two, down 1 0 in the series. They needed to get those runs home. Uh, middle of the lineup is at the plate. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is on second, it's second and third and two outs and they back pick uh Guerrero at second uh, I think that I saw a quote about how it was it was Sonny Gray pitching right it was yeah he was the only did the back pick and I guess I think Sonny Gray had the quote saying that Correa pointed out to the infield that 
the crowd was so loud that the base runners couldn't hear the third base coach. Mm. And I'm not really sure what the third base coach would have said. Like maybe Okorea is like, like watch out for a shortstop, yeah. like coming to cover. But either way, it shows another just example of heads up play. Um, that's, you know, I'm, I'm such a huge proponent of the analytics, the numbers, the data. But there are these little moments in playoff baseball where experience makes a difference, where, uh, you know, knowledge of the situation makes a difference. Uh, a guy like Correa who's been in the playoffs, it feels like pretty much every year of his career. Yeah except for maybe last year, uh, has consistently come up big in these types of moments. So he, of course, fields the pickoff attempt uh, kind of in a diving fashion. Again, tagging out Guerrero Jr., Mm -hmm. getting the tag uh, just in time. Travis, I just wanted to sort of shed some light on Correa being someone who, you know, didn't hit a bunch of home runs in the series, Mm -hmm. didn't drive in every run, but had a really big impact uh, defensively and with his, you know, his brain. And I think that's an underrated component of a short series, like a two out of three series. Obviously, so much random stuff can happen, but if you can make a small difference on a couple plays um, in the two out of three series, it makes that much bigger of a difference. Um, Another guy Worth pointing out on the Twins, Travis Royce Lewis had a two-home run game one. Um, I'm, I was really kicking myself. As I, was, as I was editing our episode, Travis, I mentioned guys who could go off like Correa. I think I mentioned Gallo, and he didn't even end up making the uh, wild card roster, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. But Royce Lewis is a guy, Travis, who ended the season so hot, and I was high on the Twins going into this series. I wish I would have mentioned him. He... Uh, was absolutely crushing the ball last couple months of the season. He is someone, Travis, who was a top prospect for a long time, uh, struggled with health, with injuries, finally having a big impact this season. And, of course, I think his first career playoff game um, goes absolutely uh, off the wall. It was funny. Someone uh, made a tweet about how it sucks for... Royce Lewis, he was hitting so many grand slams yeah, um, yeah. at the end of the season that these like one and two run home, these one and two run homers, it's it's bringing down his his RBI expected amount because yeah. uh, he's used to hitting grand slams so much. But that's funny. Uh, but he he Travis had a great great opening um, to his playoff uh, you know career. I think that this Twins team Travis is looking pretty formidable. I'm high on guys like Kepler. Uh, I know that Buxton didn't make the roster. I looked into it a little bit, and it said that he was like a, a scratch from the wild card roster. So I don't know if that means he could come back in the later rounds. Not quite sure, but um, Travis, I'm just looking at guys like Correa. I mean, across the board, um, impactful position players, and of course, very dominant pitching in the bullpen and the rotation. So this team, in my mind, Travis, can make a fun run. We'll mm-hmm. talk about their next series later. But um, let's switch over to the to the Blue Jays, and I'll ask you a question. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of buzz in Game Two. So Game One, it's Gosman. Yeah, he gives up the home run to Royce Lewis. Yeah, uh, we know Gosman's an amazing pitcher. You're facing a good team. You didn't have an amazing outing, but you know you didn't do terrible either. Um, but looking at uh, the next game, they started with Jose uh, Barrios, mm-hmm. who they gave a pretty big contract to. They, uh, he's had an up and down season. Actually, I think I had him in fantasy early in the year. He had a really bad 
early start. I think I cut him, and then he got much better. He's which super, is just how it goes. He's very he's super high ceiling, super low floor. I, I would say because yes. at his best, he has some of the nastiest pitches, and I think he could be a Sayang vote getter kind of guy. Yeah. But then there's these other stretches where he'll have like a six ERA for a couple months, and it's just like, what is going yeah. on here? Yeah. But he earned a big contract with the Blue Jays. With that, he uh, earned himself this season the game two start. They pulled him after, I believe, three uh, scoreless innings. And 47 pitches, I believe. And they went with Kikuchi out of the bullpen. Um, I think there's some righty-lefty thing there. I think I saw some interesting stats about uh, Barrios being less effective uh, second time through against lefties. And obviously, um, the Twins knew that Barrios was starting stacked lefties in their order. The Twins do some platooning there. So, just give me your thoughts, your reaction. Obviously, many people online are very mad at the Twins for that decision. They acknowledge the, uh, the Blue Jays, right? Sorry, yes. Yeah, they're yeah. mad at the Blue Jays for pulling Barrios, not giving him more of a leash because he really hadn't made any big mistakes up to that point. And give me your thoughts on you know that decision from the coach. On obviously. A big part of that probably comes from even higher up in the front office kind of giving that decision to the coach. Um, but give me your breakdown, your reaction when all that stuff went down. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because uh, it was a it was a key turning point point in uh, in the game. And, you know, ultimately is uh, the reason why the Blue Jays are going to be going home early. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I noticed that it was 47 pitches and that Kikuchi came in. I know it uh, looks like... Uh, Looking at kind of the recap, uh, Royce Lewis started the fourth inning with a walk, and that's when the change was made um, for Kikuchi to come in to face Kepler. And then uh, after that, uh, it was Alex Kirilov, which I think he is a lefty, Alex. I don't I'm not 100 percent certain. I, I I would bet he's a lefty, I think. Um, and then uh, but of course, uh, the manager of the uh, uh, Rocco Baldelli of the Twins uh, was smart and input a, uh, a a high contact hitter in Donovan Solano uh, to pinch it for Kirloff. And so that brings in a righty. And then you have Carlos Correa up, which uh, righty or lefty, I, you, you just know. And, and good thing pointing out in, in the last kind of segment, but um, Correa is the kind of guy that, yes, the, the veteran leadership in the postseason is proven every single season. And honestly, if the Twins make a deep run, you could say, man, I mean, that contract's so... Um, He's getting so overpaid, man. Like he's not worth a player in the regular season. But when the postseason hits, man, he's really earning that money. Because I feel like uh, those moments where you need someone to clutch up, it's good that the guy that's getting paid the most money is going to be the one that's going to be able to clutch up, so you can count on. But um, I, yeah, I, I, I was a little confused, Alex. And and this is the thing with with analytics and the numbers and the playoffs, it's, especially in a three game series. I I think time and time again, so many teams get so focused on on the numbers and it was funny you actually saw i think it's john schneider he's the coach of the blue jays he was looking down at his what you saw like clipboard and it just looked like he was shaking his head after uh the move to bring in kikuchi and when correa delivered the first rbi of the game with a base hit with the bases loaded it just looked like he was you i feel like on on camera he just looked like he was super pissed off because maybe he wouldn't have personally made that move but maybe there was a call from up above that was saying hey in this situation you're going to take out barrios and put in kikuchi now kikuchi has not in my kikuchi's not been a dominant pitcher uh all year i mean he he has had stretches of just absolute 
absolutely getting shelled by the opposing team. So that's one that's one player where I would guess, you know, why would you put this person in? Maybe there's another lefty in the Blue Jays uh, rotation that could do the job. But I guess they just wanted to go with the long uh, the long starting pitcher in Kikuchi. But um, I am I, I think it's been proven, Alex. I mean, in a regular season, analytics and numbers do do help a team out there. There, there is there is enough proof to say that. But when you go into these short playoff series, I just think so many teams get lost in these numbers and they have a diagram where if you have this person up, you're going to insert this guy in. And then if it, you, you almost you get too robotic, I feel like at times and in the playoffs, emotions are so high and and guys really take every every pitch um in into full effect and they are you know they're focused in locked in every single pitch um not like the regular season where sometimes you might have a couple pitches where you're not fully focused but i I don't know i i just i i didn't like the move i don't think it's a good move when you're paying a guy that much money and you're only pulling him after 47 pitches and that's a move alex that i'm making in the world series or somewhere deeper in the playoffs i just think it's very uh, premature to pull a guy after 47 pitches when you have to claw your way back and win game two and win game three then you have to go and start a new series against a fresh Astros team so I just feel like you need that length out of your starting pitching and to just go ahead to Kikuchi and kind of hope that he's going to do something I just I, I don't know I, I it, it wasn't it wouldn't have been my first choice uh, uh, for someone to go to in the bullpen and also I just don't know why you're going to Barrios Barrios um and and getting him out of there that early which it was it was a it was a sad image at the end of the game because he was hugging some of his twins teammates as they were celebrating on the field and you know he was part of that team a couple years ago but now um he is on the losing side and was the losing pitcher in game two which is you know unfortunate but uh, yeah it, it i it was a head scratcher i'll say i think most of the things that you sort of broke down um would get a lot of agreement from a lot of people online, a lot of uh, whether it be people who used to play the game, whether it be people who have uh, been watching the game and around the game for their whole life. It's definitely a common sentiment to think that uh, Barrios was pulled too early. Not really sure why uh, Kikuchi was put in in that situation after Barrios had done pretty well. My input is this. um, I think that overall... If I told you that Barrios and Kikuchi were going to com- combine for X amount of pitches and in the in the game, the Blue Jays were going to allow two runs, I think the offense would have said challenge accepted. Like, you're going to hold the other team to two runs like we can get three. And they, they, could, they, they, yep. they couldn't do that. And, mm-hmm. and, and part of that is great props to Twins pitching. And part of that is um, a bit of uh, an indictment on the Blue Jays bats just not being... Uh, as good as we know they could be. And Travis, there's also, I saw a couple things online about different turning points. And there, I think there was two different times in the series where Matt Chapman had bases loaded. And one time uh, the ball was caught jumping at the wall. And another time the ball was a few feet or inches foul. And it just goes to show you like these huge moments in these really short series, they pretty much decide the series. And to have things just not quite break your way a couple times. It just puts the dagger um, in everything. So it's really hard for me to say like, this is why you win. This is why you lose because um, so many of these small moments get amplified by the nature of the short series. I mean, even in a four of four of seven series, Travis, we see crazy things like the 2019 nationals beating the 2019 Houston Astros 
that the Astros team is one of the craziest teams we've ever seen. I feel like one of the craziest teams of my lifetime in terms of how talented they were in rotation, offense, bullpen. Uh, but then you look at that Nationals team, Travis, and they just managed to have, I don't want to say it was luck, but they just managed to have the hot streak for seven games. And that is very, very uh, achievable in the playoffs. And, and when it comes to two of three, it really feels like in many ways it comes down to coin flips a lot of the time. And so it feels like it just kind of broke the Twins way. Um, I do think the Twins played like the better team uh, mm-hmm. per se, but uh, I, I overall don't have as much trouble with the decision of Paul Barrios. I think that the people who make that decision, uh, I, I agree with you in that sometimes... The playoffs are a different animal. Yeah, and sometimes they get married to a decision before the time of the game even comes, right? Like yeah. going into the game, they probably had that conversation saying, even if Brios is doing really well, we don't want him to face Kepler and Kirilov the second time. Mm-hmm. We just don't want it. We, True. we think that Barrios gets hit really hard the second time through against lefties, and they're going to have lefties at the top of their order. So they probably were aware of that. They were wary of that. I don't know if they expected Barrios to have a shutout performance going uh, through the first time through. And so maybe them seeing how good he was in that moment could have some effect. I think I saw a graphic that he was up a tick in miles per hour for a few of his pitches in that outing. So you could almost say on one end, maybe he was emptying the tank early, knowing he'd have a short leash. Or maybe on the other end, you could say, hey, this pitcher actually was really in the zone and he was really locked in. He was throwing some of his best pitching of the year. Don't pull him here. So I, it's hard to say for me as, as someone who doesn't, uh, I'm not privy to the inside voices going on in that front office. So I'm less critical of the decision overall. Um, I think that Barrios and Kikuchi combining for giving up two runs uh, is, is, is not, uh, in, in many ways, mission accomplished by the, by the Blue Jays True. pitching yeah. in that game, yet the bass didn't, didn't come through, but, um, yeah. And, and that's a good point is that you mentioned, you know, even, even though it was a sour spot in the game and it, it sparked a lot of controversy. I know, uh, I think it's Michael K who is the announcer. Uh, he's also the Yankees announcer, but him and a rod were talking heavily about it too. And, you know, that's, that's going to spark some conversation, you know, baseball writers and media are just going to cover that all day long. But, um, good point that I think no one really even, um, you know, thought about the, you know, Kikuchi went one and two thirds inning and Barrios went three innings. So basically if you combine that, that's, you know, you're basically almost going five innings. And if you tell me, Hey, uh, Barrios and Kikuchi will go will will have five combined innings and only allow two runs I think everyone would say I'll take that you know that that right that's a win because our offense could score three runs it just it just so happens the Blue Jays only scored one run all series long and you're not going to win very many ball games by just doing that so I think you can amplify that situation a lot and cover it but the main story for me was they the the Toronto Blues they just did not hit the ball all series long and and it's proven base running mistakes errors all that stuff they just did not come ready to play it seemed like for that um almost feels like 24 to 30 hour stretch that they were uh alive in the playoffs but yeah going back to the uh the vladi guerrero pickoff uh another key key high iq play by carlos correa you know bichette is batting he is a high contact guy you know he's going to flick something in the outfield hopefully get down for a single or go to the the wall uh, for an extra base hit. So Vladdy's thinking, you know, 
we are down to nothing. I am the tying run at second. I have to score on a single. And that's why he got a bigger lead than usual. And then Correa noticed that and was able to get the pickoff and um, just a key play by uh, by Carlos Correa. And again, those are the kind of championship plays that you don't really talk too much about. But there is there is a a um, a real belief in in, uh, in seeing that that kind of stuff, you know, the the confidence in the entire team goes up uh the ballpark is is staying alive you're not keeping the ballpark down that's going to keep everybody's uh, spirit and energy all up and so it's crazy that you you can't really measure that play too much when it comes to statistics but we all know i think emotionally that kind of play means a lot for the team um uh moving forward throughout the game and that was a big play for the game because uh blue jays were were threatening yeah and i think that um not only was it a great heads up play by uh, Carlos Correa. I mean, what a pickoff throw by yeah, Gray was yeah. right on the money. I think I think they mentioned Gray is one of the best uh, uh, like pickoff success. Oh, really? Uh, uh, I, I know he had a couple. Uh, he tried to pick off a couple guys at first base earlier in the game, and and I was watching, and I think A. Rodder Michael K. mentioned that he is one of the best guys at picking guys off um, this year. So uh, key by both those guys, and you saw the hat tip by Sonny Gray. He he touched his cap and looked at Correa. And, um, you know, just sneaky signs like that, that, you know, maybe a, a better base runner or a more higher IQ base runner would see and uh, would would want to get back there. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it changed the entire uh, feeling of the game, I felt like. Yeah. And there's probably a level of preparation there um, by Gray and Correa that just sends the the twins um, the extra, you know, the extra mile. Because, like you said, if, if, if Bichette flips a single down the line, all of a sudden it's a tie game. The yep. series completely could change. But Charles, before we move on from this series, one final note on the whole Barrios Kakuchi thing. Um, I just kind of want to point out because so many people are so, so like angry about you know the way the base, the way the, the modern baseball is going with you know the analytics and with um, you know the whole you know, pulling pitchers earlier, trusting the bullpen more, not letting a starting pitcher kind of finish the job that they started, you know? And I kind of wanted to quickly um, do the opposite comparison. And I think the opposite is is worse because I think when a manager trusts their bullpen, it's, it's usually a good thing. And I just remember there were so many starts, Travis, for Clayton Kershaw, where I, I think honestly, Travis, we both have, as Angel fans who know Dodger fans, poked fun at Kershaw like postseason, like, oh, yeah. choker, <laughs> oh, this, that, uh, bad outing. The truth is this. Yeah. If you look at Kershaw's prime in the playoffs, for whatever reason, uh, their manager was Mattingly a lot of the time. You look at these situations and Kershaw gives up like a three-run home run in a in a 4-4 game in like the eighth inning yeah and kershaw's like at 120 pitches and i'm just like i think there was a cardinals like what did game. you think was gonna happen yeah there was a game i think it was like 2014 when uh the card cardinals and dodgers were playing and uh it was at dodger stadium game one and i think kershaw was still going in like the seventh and yeah he, he's out there throwing 110 pitches and and you know i i get it he's in his prime he's the best starting pitcher in the game i think he won the mvp one of those years um, I don't don't remember which year he won it, but I mean, there, there is a a um, enough evidence to say, hey, you know, there is a time to go get your pitcher and and uh, and take him out of the ball game because, you know, it's just not worth it, and you don't need to do it in the playoffs. And 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 yeah, I I I definitely would recommend the teams to say to their um, 
players, you know, hey, we, especially pitchers, we're not going to overwork you. We don't want to go out there. If we can get you through, you know, one and a half or two times through the lineup, I think that's that's kind of job done. Even though the pitcher wants to go out there and finish the game and do the whole complete game shutout and and hurrah kind of uh, uh, performance, but I think, you know, the matchups are important as well. But I, I will say, I, I think there are certain teams that, that focus too much on that, and that's where I think they get kind of lost and looking at a a a tablet or looking at a, a sheet of paper that is telling you kind of like what the situation is to do uh, in some ways can hurt you a little bit more than, uh, you know, your gut instinct. But I, I will, I will agree there, there, there are so many times Alex where we see uh, great pitchers just pitching too long and uh, it's it. Yeah. It, it, it really comes back to, to height that or hurt that old way of, of going about it. Yeah. I think that like a manager who decides to leave their guy in, they want to trust that starting pitcher and that in many ways is admirable but it's almost like the manager who goes out there and pulls him when he knows he's going to kind of get killed for it i have some respect for that knowing that um you're making the decision that you think is best for the team rather than just kind of uh standing by and crossing your fingers hoping the pitcher will get out of the jam yeah. when he's you know over 110 pitches i think that cardinals game you're mentioning i saw the same clip on twitter like matt carpenter had a hell of a game <laughs> yeah he had like a, like a bases clearing double but like it was like i think it was like four four it's like yeah it's like it, yeah. it's not even like if Kershaw had a shutout going maybe you leave him in through seven innings but it's like it's like he already allowed four runs there's bases loaded yeah. like it's just crazy to leave him in there but yeah. anyways um that's just me uh trying to make a point that uh, sometimes these managers, I think, have a really difficult decision to make, and I'm just not going to kill them for pulling a guy out when um, they think that that is the right decision because sometimes I think Mattingly might get killed by like analytics people nowadays, but at the time, no one was like, you got to pull him, you got to take him yeah, out. Yeah. The narrative became Kershaw was a choker, Yeah, and that in many ways is kind of not fair because, yes, he gave up the big hit, but... He shouldn't have been out there. Even if he says in the post game, like, you know, that was my my batter. I had him. I let him off the hook. He got the double. You know, that that's very respectable by Kershaw. But true, true. At the end of the day, uh tough and, decisions by coaches, Travis. Let's keep and, it. And I will say there's one instance that I, that really comes to mind when you say leaving a guy out there is I think it was game five of the twenty fifteen World Series where Matt Harvey went out for the ninth inning to go and complete the game. And the Royals end up coming back, tying the game, winning in extras. They win the World Series that night. And Matt Harvey went out there with, I think it was a run, one run lead. And you go to your closer, I think it was Familia at the time. And you got that series going back to Kansas City for game six. Now I know you're going back to Kansas City and the Royals have the 3-2 lead. But I mean, that was, I, th I forget the manager of the Mets. I think it was Collins, uh, the old yeah. man. Uh, but you, you know, gotta give us a shot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he had a, it was a Terry, it was, yeah, Terry Collins. Yeah. Terry. Yeah. And, and, uh, th there was a funny, or there was a, there was a cool video of him in the dugout and Harvey was like, and, and that was when Harvey was, you know, you know, known as the dark Knight of New York because he was on such a role. He was one of the, be he was the best pitcher, I think in the game, uh, in the early two thousands or one of the best pitchers, but, um, you saw him talking to Terry Collins and he was like, no, this is my game. Like, this is my ball. Like, this is my team, all that stuff. And, Collins kind of fell into that and I think he really wanted to take him out but he said fine like I'll go out there and let you go because you know I basically want to have the good story of you know media writing a story about you know how Terry Collins like trust his his ace to go out there and finish the game and that's exactly what he did so um <laughs> there are instances like that where it blows up in your face and 
and uh you know, you almost think of, you know, what if, what could have happened. But Alex, good idea. Let's move on to the other wildcard series in the American League. Um, you know, Alex, not too much to say about this one. And actually going back, the first game, the Rays got shut out. And then in game two, they achieved, yeah, they achieved one run. And it was a run that came in the seventh inning. So you basically have one run through 18 innings for the Rays, much like the Blue Jays. And the Rangers end up scoring, I believe it was, I'm, I think they won three or four nothing. It was four nothing. So the Rangers, the Rangers outscore them 11 to one in 18 innings. This was just, I mean, for how successful the Rays were this year, there was just an all time beating by the Rangers against the Rays. And game one, Rays did not show up offensively and they did not show up defensively. I think they had four errors, mm-hmm. Alex, and there were, there were some crucial errors. Uh, and then, the Rangers basically just tacked away, hit a couple extra base hits, and same thing kind of in game two. The Rays uh, did clean it up defensively slightly. Uh, they did have an error in game two, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just the, the 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 main summary I can give is the Rangers' bats are very good and their pitching is very good, and the Rays just could not hit the ball, and and that's just plain and simple, and so. What do you make of that series, Alex? It's disappointing because of how much success we always talk about with the Rays. The start they had this year, the first 50 games or so were unbelievable. Um, and it just ends in this bitterness again. And, and and what do you do? You lose the first series to the Red Sox in 2021. And you won 100 games that year and were the best team in the American League. Last year, you know, you're not the best team in, in the American League, but you're still a threat. You get swept by the Guardians. Guardians were kind of a weird team. They were strong, but they're also really weak because they just could not hit the ball of the ballpark. They were a high contact team, even though they took the Yankees to game five of the division series last year, they were built purely on the pitching. And then this year they, they play a, a Texas team, which I really thought was going to come out just depressed, not motivated to win ball games. And they, they proved me wrong. And, and I don't know what to do with the Rays now. I, I know they're going to, reload next year and if i had to bet money they will be a playoff team next year but they just cannot seem to get over the hump of winning playoff games and winning playoff series so what do you make of this series i think that there's a lot of uh contributing factors to why the rays can't get over the hump part of it of course comes back to that luck we always talk about is two of three series a lot of things can go right and wrong for these teams kind of on a flip of a coin but like you mentioned, it was kind of a dominant fashion by Texas over Tampa Bay. In many ways, uh, Texas outplayed them pitching offensively and defensively in the field. So uh, it just kind of goes to show uh, that nothing really went that well for the Rays in this series. One thing I like to point out, it's really, I don't know if unfortunate is the right word because I'm sure Texas fans are pretty happy about it, but not being able to see a healthy McClanahan, not being able to see healthy Rasmussen, not being able to see a healthy uh, Jeffrey Springs. I think all these kind of things uh, factor into a Rays team that struggles to really consistently make any deep playoff runs. They They had Glass now and they had Eflin who both in many respects are very good starting pitchers and you'd expect them to maybe do a little bit better than, than, than they did. But at the end of the day, that increased pitch, pitching depth that uh, is tarnished by injuries, I think really has a big effect on this team's ability to make it that far. Additionally, Travis, um, 
we're not going to dig into Wander Franco. Honestly, there's been no updates really since we first found out that he was under investigation, but he's been away from the team, of course, and that's a blow to their offense. Uh, Yandy Diaz um, was a good hitter this year, but looking across the board, it's kind of a lot of platoon bats that are really good uh, situationally, but uh, it just didn't work out for them offensively or pitching-wise. Um, sh shifting focus to Texas, I think that I... I'm not too surprised about Evaldi's performance. I am big on him. I have been for a while. What about Mon Montgomery's? I was, I mean, to me, that was surprising. <laughs> exactly my point. I think that, you know, Evaldi was able to uh, kind of show why they paid him in the offseason. Montgomery, Travis, on the other hand, I am not, let's just put it this way. I'm not super confident he's going to do that again if he pitches against Baltimore and then mm -hmm. in in the potential ALCS if they make it that far. I just think that um what a great outing by Montgomery, of course. I'm I am relatively surprised he was able to be that effective against a Rays team that was uh, great offensively for most of the season. I'm wondering now Travis this as well. Against the Baltimore Orioles, I feel like this starting pitching depth given all their injuries, of course, that's, you know, a necessary qualifier based on the guys left that are healthy and on the team, I'm not so sure I trust the guys who are going to open up that series. I know John Gray um, was in the 15-day IL towards the end of the season. I'm not sure if he is going to start in the next series. He may, but even if he does, I mean, it's like Gray, Heaney, and then Martin Perez, but or maybe Dunning, but then maybe actually you managed to get back to uh, Montgomery by then but I, I just feel like I don't love the pitching options for Texas their bullpen has been not amazing pretty much all year a lot of guys with ERAs they're a little suspect Chapman started out really good for them but had a lot of trouble later on out of the bullpen so overall as impressive as this series was for Texas I'm not super sold on them being like any more legit than I thought going into the playoffs as, mm -hmm. as a legit contender. Of course, they could win it all because that's how playoff baseball works. But I do think that they did a great job to handle the Rays. The Rays really dropped the ball in many respects. I'm not so sure Texas, in my opinion, is ready to take on a team like... I mean, Baltimore has their own pitching uh, struggles in the uh, rotation, and yep. Felix Bautista is going to be out for the entire postseason so you, you could poke holes in in, in uh, them as well but I just think Texas going offense only through most of the playoffs and hoping that Montgomery and Evaldi can be Cy Young's for you know a full month you know bold strategy I'd like to see if it works but but any any agreement disagreement on that no uh, I I would definitely agree with that and uh, I don't know if we should we should wait for that a little longer and, and dive into that series. But uh, yeah, we can, I, we can wait. Okay. But, uh, but I, I, I definitely could see that happening. And like you mentioned, I could definitely see two of the Rangers just being a juggernaut for the next two weeks. They, they, they have been a um, uh, consistently all season, but they were, you know, they've been a roller coaster the last couple of weeks and, and you just wonder which team you're going to get that, that rules out there uh, for the division series. But um, Alex will now quickly move on to the National League side and the wild card uh, week that we witnessed. Um, let's start with the uh, the series that I mean, we both were very uh, 
curious to see who can win this series. And that's the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. This series, I think uh, we had the most discussion about uh, going into uh, uh, the last episode. And uh, we, we, I think we had a pretty good conversation on, on both sides. You know, how, how could we see the Brewers win this series? How could we see the Diamondbacks win this series? And uh, again, uh, same thing kind of with the American League side. It, it strictly came down to offense and the Diamondbacks were able to score just more runs than the Brewers and the Brewers all season long. It just feels like it's an ongoing problem. The Brewers offense just can never truly have a, a complete game. It feels like they, they lose uh, game one, six, three, and uh, then they lose game two, five to two. So, uh, you know, not a ton of offense in those two playoff games when you're at home, when you have the crowd behind your back, but Holy cow, Alex, I mean, one guy I just am so impressed with is, is Corbin Carroll. I mean, he is a complete stud. He had a home run and a single in game one, and then game two had a single and double in that one as well. I mean, it's it's truly crazy what we're seeing. And, and we'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about the Diamondbacks in the next series. But he's one guy that gives me hope that they could possibly win a series against their. Uh, against their rival, uh, uh, the, the rival Dodgers. And so, uh, but Corbin Carroll in this series was the, um, he was the table setter. He is the leadoff guy for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He sets the table. And then they got another stud named Cattell Marte that hits right after him. And those two guys are just, uh, so far they're on a roll to start off the playoffs. And, and it's fun to see, uh, it will be fun to see how that will transfer into the division series. If there's any, uh, if there's anything that uh, any drop off in those numbers, but I mean, going on to the Brewers side, I they'll have some tough questions this uh, off season because you know Craig Council, their manager Alex, we've talking a little bit about him, not on the podcast, but just inside discussions. He is going to be a free agent. Uh, his contract expires with the Brewers, so we're wondering where he might go if he does not get re-signed by uh, Milwaukee, and then. Um, and then, you know, also, are, are they going to keep on just running out um, this this really good pitching staff with a, you know, mediocre to meh offense? And I don't know if Corbin Carroll, I'm sorry, I don't know if Corbin Burns is by chance a free agent yet, or I don't know if Brandon Woodruff is a free agent yet. I thought both guys were pretty close to uh, seeing their free agency days, but it could just be... They, they could just be ending arbitration. I know there was a thing going on with Corbin Burns last offseason with arbitration that created kind of a bad marriage between both the Brewers and him. But um, I'll have to look and see what uh, what his contract looks like right now. But I, I know both guys. I mean, you can't keep both guys. It feels like forever. You almost got to start looking and moving on. And maybe this is the Brewers way of, of you know, moving on to a, to a new kind of regime and a new way of uh of doing it but they they do have a good team they have a lot of young contributors i i really like that but it just seems like it's it's the same story year after year with the brewers but what do you make of that series alex yeah you mentioned the burns and uh woodruff points uh, i just did a quick check it looks like they're both going to be free agents not this coming off season but the one after so you do wonder if they get off to a not a great start next year maybe they look into trading those guys or maybe they trade them in this offseason yeah. before they even I, I think a lot of teams would would pay or not pay but would 
give good value back for Corbin, Corbin Burns and also uh, Woodruff right now. Yeah, and it looks like Freddie Peralta, um, it says he's a free agent at the same time, but there are team options beyond that. So I imagine those could get picked up assuming the dollar amount is somewhat team friendly but travis i agree the brewers travis going into every season we say it in the middle of every season we say it and going into every playoffs we say it if they just had a couple more big bats it'd be really really exciting but unfortunately uh they added canna who was not bad for them at all and donaldson was not terrible either they just didn't go add a huge marquee piece yeah and yes i agree that like oftentimes you add a big marquee piece it doesn't work out the angels went and added cj crone randall gritchuk and eduardo escobar none of those guys really were really impressive with the angels right and so um there is a lesson to be learned about giving up prospects for increasing your ceiling but also not really helping your floor at all like there's a chance that you you trade for some guys if you're the Brewers, and offensively they did nothing for you for a couple months and in, in the playoffs. So I understand why they don't go and give away all their prospects to raise their ceiling, but I think that more and more teams are focusing. It was actually in, in the in the news last couple of days because Jerry Depoto, uh, general manager for the Mariners, he had a quote saying his goal is to win. I think he said 54% of the games. So it's like you're not really trying to be a 100-win team this season you're trying to be an 88 win team this year next year year after year after year after so it's kind of interesting how a lot of these teams who i think are smart teams um they're just focusing on the financial aspect because i mean a team like the brewers travis very limited by ownership Mm -hmm. famously uh cheap ownership not uh, giving up big bucks on free agency uh not getting in the big guys on trades funny enough they did actually spend big on yelich and that looked like a pretty bad contract for a while we'll see how it ages but uh it it just goes to show that i think lots of situations these uh general managers might not add enough impact pieces when the team has a real chance to compete in the postseason just because they're more focused on let's just let's just make it there and try to make it there next year and the year after as well and i do think there's a lot of um smart thought that goes into that but part of me also says I mean, you got to get tired of not making it to a cs or a world series just by making the playoffs every year like there's got to be some part of you that really wants your team to make a larger step forward so I personally am disappointed in the Brewers. That being said, uh, looking at the Diamondbacks here, Travis, they earned that series in a big way. You mentioned the guys at the top of the batting order. Corbin Carroll, um, already you know a mini superstar in his own right. Cattell Marte, um, I've been high on him for a long time. He's had his ups and downs, but is definitely hitting a hot spot the last two games. And, and, and didn't they lock Corbin Carroll up for like 10 years? Or some I, some I, some in like like seven or eight year deal. That, I think something like that, perhaps. That yeah, is now looking like it could just be again another Acuna deal. Uh, but I mean another steal by by the Diamondbacks and it's eight, eight years, one hundred and eleven million dollars. So going to age he well. He will not be a free agent until twenty thirty. So you know for a fact his entire prime is playing in Arizona. So the time to win is now because you have your superstar. Yeah, and and. That's the kind of situation where assuming good health, even if you have some injury years like Acuna has, like you're going to get so much value out of that contract as a team perspective. Uh, after Carol, it's Marte. Fam, who I do like a lot, didn't have a monster series, but I like him batting third there. 
uh, and Christian Walker clean up Travis. I think that's a really good front four that can compete with a team like the Dodgers. Of course, it will come down to who's playing better. I think for the Diamondbacks, one key is just to get a lot out of the others. I think if you have Longoria have a big game or Alec Thomas have a hot series, those are the kind of uh, Ludus Gurriel um, or Perdomo. Uh, the shortstop if if any of those types of guys have like a really big series that could be enough just to help that top of the order to kind of round things out and that for me Travis, i feel like the key of a lot of these teams who go on these kind of cinderella runs these wild card teams the nationals that year in 2019 they had so uh many guys step up howie kendrick had huge moments um i mean it feels like everyone really did adam yeah. eaton had some monster games Looking at a team like the 2021 Braves, uh, a wild card team that really stepped up, um, they went out and they got um, the what's it called the the deadline um, acquisitions Soler in, in and Rosario. Yeah, those, Peterson. Yeah, those guys all and Duval all had monster uh, playoff games, and it feels like the others stepping up to support the superstars is what makes these wildcard teams really click. And I can see that already happening a little bit with the Diamondbacks. I am I am not, we'll cover them against the Dodgers in a minute here when we get to the next segment. But I do think there is a lot to like about what the Diamondbacks look like so far. I also do think that um, there probably are some fair questions about the pitching staff. I mean, beyond... I mean, Merrill Kelly is, I would say, a pretty solid pitcher. Zach Gallon um, is excellent a lot of the time, but did allow earned runs against a Brewers lineup who did not look that uh, impressive, you know. So I, I think there's still a little bit of to be determined with their pitching staff. You know, Ryan Nelson didn't have a great season. Um Buffat, have you say his name? Uh, yeah. he, he he didn't have great uh, numbers. Zach Davies is done for the year. Yeah, I think they yeah. cut him straight up. I mean, it's a lot of young names. I mean, Nelson, uh, Buffat, and Tommy Henry are all guys who um, started over 15 games for them. Ryan Nelson started uh, 27 games for them. These are all guys who are mid 20s, making like either rookie debuts or second year debuts. And, you know, it's going to be really big moments for them. I mean, those guys pitching meaningful uh, innings in Dodger Stadium, let's say you go down 1-0, you're losing game two. That's going to be sweaty, right? I mean, it's definitely going to be a tough situation. But um, there has been some bright spots in the bullpen, and I think there are enough um, really good hitters on the team to make some noise. But I'm impressed with what they did in Milwaukee, especially on the road, being a pretty young team. Gabby Moreno, also someone who really showed up um, this whole kind of second, this whole season really, yeah. um, being a, a offensive plus as a catcher is huge for them. So and, I, and, I, only 23, it says. Yeah, and, and, and one side note, Alex, I don't know if he is even going to be able to play next series. He did he did suffer a concussion in game two on a backswing uh, from a, uh, I don't know who the hitter was, but somebody uh, on, their, on their backswing hit his head uh, with the bat. So I, he came out, and they actually had a pretty interesting... Uh, uh, the the announcers were were saying that, uh, you know, they had their backup catcher, but after that, I think there was nobody else 
that was a conventional starting catcher. And so they literally were talking about like who is going to have to be playing catcher for the first time, like almost in their career. And you hate to have those those uh, instances happen, but it's good at least at the backup catcher. I think it was Herrera uh, or, or I, I don't 100 percent know his name, but uh, he was able to come in and, and, and help catch the rest of the game. But I don't know 100 percent, Alex, what we'll see in. The- yeah. Diamondbacks and Dodgers series. It, yeah. it, it's looking like, um, at least posted eight hours ago by Arizona Sports, uh, Moreno's expected to play game one. Okay. Um, I think maybe he may have just avoided a concussion, or maybe maybe it, I'm not a, a brain doctor, so I'm Good. not sure. Yeah. But but I did see someone someone made a funny post because obviously after the game you you advance to the playoffs. Sorry, you advance to the division series. You do the whole champagne thing. Yeah. And someone was saying, "Wow, like." Gabby, Gabby Moreno is currently drinking champagne on a concussion. Like that is not good. But it's um, a good combo. Yeah. Ma- maybe, uh, maybe he managed to avoid the concussion, or maybe he was drinking some uh, some cider. But yeah, yeah, and and that was a good point because I I just heard from the announcers when it happened that you know what could potentially happen, but he must have passed the concussion protocol and everything. So it, it must be it must be good now. But yeah, you, you the, wonder. If but there is that has, concern. There is, yeah. And so a little it, bit of a headache maybe today. Who knows? Yeah. It could affect him at the plate. It could affect him behind the plate, um, going forwards in the playoffs. Hoping, obviously, that um, the Diamondbacks are able to field a healthy team because that series against Dodgers could be a lot of fun. It will um, be. Yeah, we will talk about that in the next segment. But let's quickly cover our last series, Travis. Which it seemed like the most another another series where you can basically say. And, and it was the one series we talked about. I think we were, we easily went over it on Monday, and we basically said. Um, there's not too much to cover. The The Marlins are a good team. They've had a fun year. They have a negative run differential, so they're not the conventional playoff team, but they still got and found their way in, which is, uh, which is really fun to see. But the Phillies are a juggernaut team, especially when they are clicking, and they're clicking right now, and it's playoff time, and they have that Phillies magic back like they had it last year. Uh, so I think, again, the, the Marlins... Uh, the Marlins, I believe, only scored one run, I think, in the whole entire uh, one or two runs again. N- not a lot of offense, but um, it was just it a complete... It feels like the, the games were over when they scored those it, runs. It, 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 basically, when the Phillies scored the first run, it just felt like the the atmosphere, the energy of the stadium, it was over, and, and the Marlins were not going to recover. So I, I don't have too much to say about this series. Everyone was clicking, which you love to see. Wheeler pitched a great game, game one, and then Nola game two. That's that's what we saw last year, Alex, in the uh, in the wild card series against the Cardinals, and then of course the offense was electric. Everyone was hitting the ball. I, I mean, it, it was a it was one team right now going into the next round uh, feeling pretty good. It's got to be the Phillies because they it feels like they have the energy back like they did last year. But what do you make of the uh, the wild card series? If you have any big dr- drastic comments yeah nothing huge uh beyond the obvious that the marlins you know i'm sorry to miami fans but it really would have been it felt like it would have been a more fun time watching that phillies team go up against like the padres the cubs the reds yeah. the cubs other teams that might have had either more star power or more uh juice in the tank for those two games but i mean to the phillies credit there's a chance that you know no team was going to beat them in those two games uh Could we have, like signed in- a petition that said like like padres are, just put them in. Padres are better ratings. Let's just put them in. Like, yeah, lock, lock it in. Let's. I'm sorry to uh, competitive integrity. We are just gonna rock with because because you see, you know, and it. I mean, again, 
the record shows the Marlins were a playoff team this year, but you just you, the run differential. You hate you hate to see, you hate to see games like that because you know the ratings are are not going to be very good because most MLB fans that want to watch the nightcap. I will say, if you're on the East Coast, you're not watching that game at all, unless you're of course a Phillies fan or a Marlins fan. But anywhere else, I mean, you're not staying up till. 11 12 o'clock at night to watch this team cream the other one and uh and and when you know the game's over basically in the third inning it, it's just not it's not part of the plan for the night uh to watch that game but um it, it just it was a it was a good year for the marlins and hopefully they can build off this but yeah it, it just it uh it, the phillies just took it to them and 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 they showed why they are a a, a scary team in the playoffs the last at least the last two seasons right now alex but any other last comments uh, with that one? Yeah. Um, overall, I think it's a really positive sign for the Phillies and for Phillies fans. When Braves fans, Travis, I see multiple Braves fans on Twitter saying, it's so stupid that the number one seed doesn't get to choose their opponent or play the lower seed yep. in the division series. And while I agree that I would like either a, a, a pick your opponent system or a system where you get to... Um, play the lowest seed like a reseeding situation it's gotta feel good if you're a phillies fan like the team that was absolutely unstoppable all year is kind of nervous to face us right now oh, yeah yeah and um you know the dodgers obviously are not going to take lightly to the diamondbacks but i think the dodgers are probably pretty happy they're facing diamondbacks instead of the phillies it feels like the phillies are almost like on the level of these um division well, I, winners right i i liked your uh your your text a couple days ago to our one buddy who's a dodger fan saying uh dodgers uh mickey mouse lcs run loading and 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 but it, it was funny because i think that was when uh they the diamondbacks like cut zach davies and then i think something happened it, with it was it was uh woodruff getting scratched oh yes 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 from, yes. from the playoffs yeah yep. and and that led me to say you know the brewers might lose without woodruff which they did yep. and then now dodgers have diamondbacks which you know Diamondbacks, Travis, I'll say I'm impressed with their first series. So they definitely could do work against the Dodgers um, in some respects. But I, I think the Dodgers would be a lot more scared playing the Padres and the uh, Phillies. And, and well, yeah, the Phillies are right now. But I'm just saying, like, like going back to the whole if the Marlins were replaced by a non playoff team, uh, if the Dodgers had to go up and play the Padres right now or someone else that's not a playoff team, I think more more Dodger fans and, and, and uh, players would be a little bit more concerned than. In the Diamondbacks. It seems like they always have the Diamondbacks number in the playoffs. But again, we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see exactly what happens with that one. But uh, um, let's jump into that. Let's jump into the the next round, Travis. Yeah, yeah let's uh, and and we'll actually snake it because it was a good transition, Alex. I, I want to start off with I I cannot wait for this series. Phillies Braves is going to be electric. It's going to be. I mean, I think both sides really hate each other. And from last year, the Braves have a really bitter taste in their mouth and they want revenge. But right now, Phillies just, they have it rolling again. And and I don't know how you can stop that. I, I, I know game one, I'm assuming Ranger Suarez will be getting the ball for Phillies. And um, I'm, I'm, I assume Spencer Strider gets the ball game one for the Braves. I'm, I'm not 100% certain. I know... He's had a couple questionable outings in the last couple months that have been, um, I guess the, the it, it should draw a little bit of attention. But he is still a terrific pitcher. But um, yeah, I I am I'm very eager to see how this uh, to see how this series plays out, Alex. But 
uh, I guess give me your thoughts on it, and then we'll make our picks for uh, for who's who's uh, who's moving on to the LCS uh, for this one. But what do you make of this series so far? Is it, do you think it's the best one of the uh, of the division series? Um, I think it definitely has the best um, going into it, the most hype, and I think it's for good reason. The Phillies, Travis, um, they feel like they have unfinished business from last year. And the the Braves, Travis, have been the best team all year. And they lost to this Phillies team last year, so they want that revenge. Looking at these two teams, it's one of those things where obviously you can see it going either way because there's going to be so much talent on both sides um, of the field. I am uh, currently at a point where I feel like I just have to roll with the Braves. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at these two teams, the Braves are currently... Uh, I, I actually read something about how last year they had this same setup where they were had the bye they waited for those wild card games to finish and then they went and faced the phillies and they lost that series i read that this year that they wanted to kind of change the way they did that because last year maybe they might have got themselves out of a rhythm by taking those like you know four games off or whatever it was five games off now this time i i read that they did ran some simulation games I think Max, gotcha. Max Fried pitched one or something like that, but they ran some sim games against themselves and they let fans in the ballpark too. Um, that was either yesterday or day before. I but saw the Orioles did the same thing with workouts, which is pretty cool. I mean, I would love to go to a, a workout day if if the Angels ever got their shit together. No, we'll, <laughs> but that's another conversation we'll, for another day. <laughs> we'll cross our fingers for that day to come at some point. But yeah, yeah I think that the Braves doing that, uh, it's a smart move. And I think that they're really focused on correcting anything that went wrong from the past. Um, I would be a little surprised if they fell just the exact same way that they did last year, just kind of a flame out in the division series against the divisional rival that's just a little bit hotter. Um, I do think that it seems like Travis Philadelphia is a really hard place to win for other teams. Um, That fan base gets really loud um, and the players seem to continue to come up clutch a lot of the time. Um, it's It's really interesting looking at the depth of the Phillies uh, lineup besides, um, I mean, when, when everyone is, when they're like in the offensive mode where Schwarber is playing and uh, Castellanos is in and you have Harper playing first base and stuff like that. I mean, their entire team is above a hundred, no PS plus. I mean, they're yeah. really looking like they're in a really good spot in that regard. Two offenses that are elite. Right. And I think when it comes down to the pitching, I can really see both teams shining. I think that Strider, in many uh, respects, is the best pitcher in the series. We'll cover this in the offseason when we rank our pitchers. I think he is in the conversation for best pitcher in the world. The ERA doesn't say that, obviously, this season, but um, we'll have that conversation another day. I just think that um, if you're looking at, like, the best pitcher on each team, it's pretty even. And look at the best three pitchers on either team. That's also pretty even. Like I think it's a really well-balanced series. But um, the Braves, Travis, have been able to uh, be a machine all season. Uh, they seem like they're prepared mentally and physically uh, for this series by you know having uh, simulated games uh, during this little break they have. I think they're going to come out ready to go. I am going to lock in my pick of the Braves. I think that they avenge last season. What do you think? Alex, I really, really hope you're right. I want to see the Braves win, but I, I think I'm just going to swing the Phillies. I, I, this momentum is is killer, and I, I, if there's one team I'm rooting for in the entire playoffs, it is the Braves. I, I really have liked the Braves for a long time. Um, 
I, I love Acuna. I love how how he plays. Um, Spencer Strider, I think, is a, a, a I again, like you said, I, I think he has potential to be the best pitcher in the world. Uh, what he brings to the uh, the table, uh, just everybody uh, coming together on that team. I, I I really do like Matt Olson, is a stud, just a monster, and um, that team is really fun. But I I just. I just feel like their heart will get broken again by the Phillies and the Phillies will find themselves again in the league championship series uh, against another team from the NL West. But uh, uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I thought you were going to go the Phillies way, AJ. So I'm a little surprised, but uh, I, I don't know. I just am the way they're playing now you, with the fans, with, with the offense clicking and offense clicking from guys that we usually don't see too much of, you know, uh, Bryson Stott had the, exclamation point with the grand slam last night and, and you saw the videos today or heard them of uh they basically turned all the announcers voices off and they just had the crowd noise and that was so electric like that's probably one of the craziest places to play and you know that um you're going to get either nola or wheeler in game three back at philly and that's going to be just an electric electric scene uh much like last year of course but uh i will lean the phillies to advance uh praying you're you're right aj but uh it just for my, like you said, head, head, my, my head says Braves, but my heart says, says Phillies will take this one. Cause it just seems like, uh, they have something about something about themselves in the playoffs that, uh, that I feel like they can keep it rolling this, uh, this year as well. So, um, that series seems to be settled. We will, we shall move on to the next series in the national league. And that's going to be, uh, Diamondbacks Dodgers. AJ, I, I think I'll, I'll lock it in. I, I think Dodgers will win this series. I don't think they're going to lose this year in the division series. Um, I think it could be a hard-fought series. I think, you know, you could look at it and say, uh, I could see two things happening. I think I could see, uh, you know, Dodgers taking care of this series very easily, or I could see this game, go, you know, the series going four or five, and and Dodgers could see, uh, could be bringing some struggle um, to the uh, uh, to, to the division series. And, and, and Diamondbacks could really... Uh, force some problems uh for the dodgers as uh, as the series progresses but i just see the dodgers taking the series um and i see a phillies dodgers league championship series well what do you make so far of this uh of this last division series for the nl i'm also going to lean dodgers um i was kind of hyping up the my, my belief in the diamondbacks in the previous section i think you don't want two a a logos battling it out that could be fun yeah. you know but um i i do think that the the LA logo um, is so tried and true in the playoffs. I mean, many Dodger fans will point to you know them not winning and their their shortcomings, but I think they continue to play really good ball in the playoffs. And when they lose, it is by a fine margin. It feels like at least. So I do think that the Dodgers are a team that you know proved all season what they're capable of. I think that guys like Betts and Freeman in the playoffs are locks to be contributors. Kershaw is going to. I mean, Charles, I feel like it's been a little while since he's been like the no argument frontline guy, right? Yeah, like yeah. there was a couple years where Bueller might have been the number one choice. Obviously, they had Scherzer that one year uh, when they traded for him. It feels like it's kind of cycled around. Urias had like an ERA title um, or like I think he was the ERA leader for two years in a row. Um, but it's just crazy how at this moment in time, Kershaw has outlasted them. And it's kind of him and all these kids, right? Yeah. And so I do think that there might be some unprovenness in some of the pitchers, but like we always say, the Dodgers are one step ahead. They're really smart. I think they're going to make the correct pitching changes. I think they're going to make the correct, uh, set up the correct matchups. 
offensively in with their pitchers out of the bullpen and their and uh, their starters and they might use some openers some games i think that they're going to handle it really well for that reason i'm going to go dodgers i'm going to lock that in i still think the diamondbacks have the ability to make it a really competitive series they could of course go win that series i just feel like seeing uh some of those diamondbacks uh young pitchers in LA Dodger Stadium it is going to be uh, trouble. I think it's going to be trouble. Yeah. I think that the Dodgers are probably relatively comfortable going to Arizona. Not sure vice versa how it's going to fare for Arizona. I would love to see Arizona uh, put on a show because I think it's always fun when the young team that maybe is arriving a bit earlier than people thought um, gives a, a heavy favorite a run for their money. But I, I, I'm going to go ahead and lock in Dodgers. I think that um, the talent favors them. The strategy, uh, the trust I have in the organization, it favors Dodgers. So. Yeah, and uh, Kershaw looks like he's going to be going game one. And then I assume game two would be Bobby Miller. Uh, I don't think they'd want to give him a road start. I think they want to give him a, a home start so that the crowd can you know, be behind his back and uh, really uh, push him to go and uh, get the job done. But after that, you know... <laughs> You scratch Julio Urias, of course, uh, for off-the-field reasons. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking at their baseball reference page, and Noah Syndergaard, and he's now on lo- no longer there. Uh, I assume they would go Lance Lynn next, who started his first couple games in, in very impressive fashion, but, of course, did kind of float back to the old Lance Lynn way. So he probably goes game three. Alex, I don't, and and you may know this, but I, I think been such a long time since i feel like i we, we we covered these guys but dustin may tony gonsolin both guys are are hurt yeah i don't think either guys are making an appearance um for the rest of the season yeah. i know yeah. that gonsolin is out for the year i believe yes. and then yeah. i think dustin may got another elbow injury or, or yeah. something like that and yeah. then and then walker bueller is out for the playoffs yeah. so yeah. it really feels like after a guy like kershaw you're going miller uh you mentioned lynn who i did forget about at one point um, since he was that late acquisition by mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. but he does, I'm sure, earn a start in there somewhere. I think Emmett Sheehan. I don't know if he does as well. I yeah. think I think Emmett Sheehan will. I think that it may be in a in a limited role, maybe two times through the order kind of thing. But I do think that he has earned uh, a spot there. And then you have guys who have had great uh, seasons. Bruce Dargraderol, I imagine, will get uh, a serious workload in a series like this. Um, guys like Evan Phillips have been good all year basically and have some uh, analytics to prove it. I think that overall they're going to find a way to uh, get it done, I'll say. So I, I, yeah. I, I'm leaning towards True. towards Dodgers uh, for that reason. I think that even if even it's one of the more lackluster, especially the pitching side of things, a more lackluster Dodgers team than years past, it's still in some respects a standard in the NL of just being – um, ready for these types of series. So and you know what? You have Freddie Freeman, you have Mookie Betts, you got JD Martinez, Muncie, Will Smith. Um, even, you know, I can almost, Alex, I, I can almost see Chris Taylor having a huge hit in this, in this playoffs, but uh, you have so many guys that are impactful in the playoffs. So, you know, starting pitching is going to be one question to look at maybe later on in the playoffs. If, if things get a little dicey, but this offense is going to go toe to toe with anybody in, uh, in baseball when it feels like in, in any series that they play, uh, they're for real. So that's why I give them a chance. And, and I definitely can see them, uh, taking care of the diamondbacks. Uh, but again, I, I it could be a, a swift, easy, 
three game sweep. It also could go, uh, you know, uh, a dicey four or, uh, you know, a, a nail biter five. Who knows? Well, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think the Dodgers take care of business there. Um, so that wraps up the NL, Alex, on the division series side. Let's go to the American League side. Let's start with the. Let's actually, again, keep snaking it. We'll go uh, Rangers and Orioles, Alex. Uh, I'll say it's 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 the famous matchup of the, I don't know if you remember this game in 2007, but the Rangers beat the Orioles 30 to three. It always gets played every, like whenever it's the anniversary, they always play like on this day on, you know, in, in 2007, uh, Rangers beat the Orioles 30 to three. It's one of the biggest beat downs in my lifetime, but um, uh, it, it's, it's finally coming true again. Also the, uh, the game where, you know, these two teams faced off when Josh Hamilton hit the four home runs in a game. So I feel like these teams kind of have some like, uh, brief history together uh, and no beef, but just uh, just popular moments that may have happened throughout uh, baseball history. But Rangers, Orioles, Alex, it's exciting. The, the the O's have been, you know, unstoppable all year long. They have so many strengths. But do you think they can get through the series with the Rangers who have, you know, basically put it to the Rays and you already know that their offense is clicking. There is no problems there. And if they do get the good pitching uh, from guys like, you know, maybe uh, Dane Dunning or, or Martin Perez, if they get starts, you know, Evaldi is going to be good. But uh, but how do you see this series shaping out? Do you see any upset at all? Tough th- question. <laughs> I'm thinking about it because I do think that this Orioles team, in my opinion, is one of the weaker one seeds we've had in recent history. Definitely. Uh, from the American League, I do think that offensively there's a lot to like but there's nothing that's like absolutely jumping off the page right i mean uh a lot of new faces but i mean a a lot of guys that are going to be put into the playoff moment that have never done it before and and you you just don't know how they're going to react yeah i I don't i don't i don't have any fear that gunner henderson is going to be you know caught in the spotlight and not know what to do but he is 22 in his age 22 season adley rushman has been great all year um you look at other guys who've had good years austin hayes has been a pretty good hitter mount castle pretty good hitter but no one on the team that's a regular player really above like 130 ops plus so i feel like there's a good amount of depth which might be exactly all they need but i feel like they might be missing a bit of the oomph uh that some of these other teams are going to be competing with have and then the starting pitching travis it just leaves me with a bit to be desired i think kyle gibson probably gets a start in this series i'm not super high on what he might be able to do against this texas team you know um i think bradish has had a really great season might be due for a little bit of regression i i am high on his ability as a starting pitcher but also a younger guy who has not been in these moments before Grayson Rodriguez might be the, one of the pitchers, pitchers I like the most um, in this rotation. And he's a guy who is in his age 23 season, really new to the big leagues. I'm not exactly sure what to expect from him against a lineup like Texas. And then the bullpen has been, you know, um, I would say amazing all season. Um, guys like Bautista and Cano dominant all year. Good amount of depth as well, getting... Um, contributions from even the guys that they added like uh shintaro fujinami uh really kind of in my mind turned a corner when he came over to baltimore they made some some much needed tweaks and he became very effective lot to like in their bullpen 
I still feel like losing Felix Bautista is a really big deal. He didn't have an amazing last month of the season anyways, but that kind of just goes to show you the nature of that kind of closer role and how it's going to be really um, hit and miss throughout the course of a season. There's going to be rough patches, but I think they're going to definitely miss him uh, as a safety blanket in these close games against a team like Texas. You would love to have his 100-mile-an-hour fastballs and splitters in the dirt um, against guys like Seager and Semyon who are going to require good pitching to get them out. So I I just spent you know a few minutes here tearing down Baltimore <laughs> I, I think that I think that's leading me to kind of conclude. I'm actually going to pick Texas here. I, I'm surprised to say it. Um, I wasn't high on Texas going into the playoffs, but I think this is a matchup that they might actually do well against because my biggest knock on Texas is the starting pitching. Meanwhile, there's a chance that the Orioles actually have worse starting pitching, even though they're, they're a one seed. And I think Texas offensively matches up pretty well, very comparable. Texas has the far, far weaker bullpen in my mind. And I think more often than not, bullpens can win you a series. Uh, so that could be the decider that just um, flips the series towards the Baltimore Orioles. But I'm going to go ahead and, and, and lock in Texas. I'm surprised to say it, but I kind of convinced myself here. Yeah, Alex, I was uh, I was nervous to see who you're going to pick, but I, I, I am leaning Texas right now because I, I just I like the way they played against the Rays. They took care of business and offense was alive and i just feel like the orioles are the the new kid on the block they're going to be of course they're going to be great for the rest of the 20s i i have no doubt but i just think that the pressure of the playoffs might get to some of these young guys and uh texas has guys like Corey seager who's been there who's done it in the world series uh marcus simeon has been to the playoffs a number of times uh bruce bochi is a three-time world series champ he is preparing these guys on what they're going to see and what they're going to face. Bruce Bochi is, uh, hey, like I said that, yeah. Bruce Bochi. Bucci. Uh, Bruce Bochi is, you know, prepping some of these young guys. There's a guy, I think, on the Rangers. His name's, I think, Evan Carter, Alex. And I think he had like two home runs or so. Was a top prospect for them, yes. For uh, the Rangers in the first series. And so it, I think he got on base in his first six plate appearances mm. in the playoffs and he's like 21 or something they're they're just they're, they're getting it done everywhere and then uh, you know even a quiet superstar adolis garcia is having you know a great start to his uh to his playoffs so i just like where the rangers are clicking right now and if they're starting pitching and bullpen can hold up i think they could be a very dangerous team all postseason long but um I like them to take care of business against the Orioles. I don't think it's going to be a quick series. I think the series could go pretty uh, in, into four or five games. But, um, you know, I, I do anticipate Rangers to take the series and uh, and to eliminate the number one seed. So, uh, again, you hit the nail on the head about the Orioles being probably one of the weaker number one seeds that we've seen, you know, over the last couple of years. You know, typically... The number one seeds we have a really good feeling about. I again, I know I picked Phillies in the last series, but I still think the Braves are an elite team, especially if they can click and uh, really uh, play the Phillies uh, play the Phillies well. But um, going back to the American League side, Alex, I just I I have a feeling that the Rangers will get to this Orioles pitching staff, and that uh, and I think that they could just score a ton of runs, and and that's how 
they're going to beat this team is just by outscoring them. And, and, you know, no Felix Batista for the Orioles. So that's going to be another uh, big name that you'd want to go to in late ball games, but uh, you're going to have to go somewhere else. So I am, uh, I'm, I'm glad we agreed on that. We kind of see that the, the Rangers could, could sneaky, uh, have a sneaky um, division series. And, and again, I think we both thought we were, <laughs> we were going to see them out in the wild card and, by chance next week this time we could see them uh playing for the league championship series so it's 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 again this is this is how baseball works crazy how how the tides turn in some ways but uh any last thoughts on that no i think that we covered it well uh looking forward to how these teams match up because there are lots of fun players on both sides uh fun offensive players like guys like ryan o'hearn travis i'm still looking at his numbers i know he's been a really effective um, left-handed hitter against right-handed pitching this year, a 122 OPS plus. It's just one of those things where um, these teams manage to get a lot out of these players. And so I'm hoping for a really electric series. Two teams that I think if you told them you're going to be in the ALDS, they both would be you know stunned yep. go, going into the year. Maybe they'd like to act like calm and cool about it, but I think they'd both be really happy with where they're at. Um, so I'm hoping for uh, I'm hoping for a bloodbath. I'm hoping yeah. for a, a lot of big hits this series, which I do expect because I think the hitting outmatches the pitching um, from what I, I see here. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. There, there's a there's a funny graphic that I remember when the uh, when the when the Orioles came to play uh, the Angels uh, late or early September, but it was the Orioles lineup, and and it was it was like two or three guys that I knew of, and then like. Mullins wasn't playing center and Adley wasn't playing catcher. And it was just like a lineup of just like, who are these guys? Like guys almost like Ryan O'Hearn that you're just like, I have not heard that name very often, but they Aaron they, Hicks. Yeah. Yeah. They end up taking it to the angels of course, and, and, and kicking their butt. But uh, when they are fully healthy and on the lineup, yeah, this team can make a lot of noise. And so um, it, it's a, it's a, it's an exciting start to this kind of, I would say, uh, uh, hopefully the start of a dynasty you might say with the Orioles, but uh, I think that uh, the Rangers with the experience get to them this year and that uh, you, you will see the, the Rangers playing in the, uh, in the championship series, but moving now on Alex to the twins and the Astros really fun series. We're going to see Correa play the Astros for the first time um, in his career. Uh, it's going to be fun to see him back in Houston with a different Jersey on um, I saw a funny video today of, of the media interviewing Bregman and, and the guy was like, you know, you guys are, you guys are pretty good friends. And like Bregman was like, I don't know if he was being serious or if he was being kind of like, like sarcastically funny and, and, and wanted to get a good, uh, wanted the media to write a good story about it. But he was like, had a straight face and was like, no, we're not, we're not friends. Like we're not, maybe it's because he's on the other team and for the week, this week they're not friends, but maybe there was some bad blood as their, uh, as, uh, you know, as, as both their, um, as, as they, as they, as basically they, they, uh, as Korea left the, the Astros and, and, uh, their friendship, maybe it, uh, it dissipated a little bit, but it's going to be a fun series. I I'm, I'm excited because you have this twins team that finally got, um, you know, the, the monkey off their back. They're going to now finally go into a series where they can say, Hey, we want a playoff game. We want a playoff series. Like now we can finally, um, you know, focus on hand and get back to, you know, competing against, I mean, a juggernaut of the last, uh, you know, the last seven years, Alex, the Astros have been the best team in baseball every single year. They're a lock. It just feels like they're a lock to go to the, to go to the world series every single season. But, 
um, it'll be a tough challenge for the twins. And um, with the way the series is looking and everything, uh, it, it, it'll be fun. I, my pick Alex though, I, I, I think I will still lean the Houston Astros. Uh, it just, it seems just like the smart pick to do because they will make it to the league championship series every single season. It feels like so. Uh, I will go with Houston, uh, but I, I'm I'm curious to see what Twins team shows up. If it's the Twins of the past, or if it's this year's Twins that showed it uh, to the Toronto Blue Jays and uh, can really compete. But I don't see the Astros making the same mistakes as the Blue Jays did in that series. So that's why I'm leaning with the Houston Astros, and um, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to see an All Texas uh, League Championship Series. That would be a a really good start to a rivalry uh, that we have never seen both those teams play in the, in such a high leveraged uh, playoff series. But what, what are your thoughts on, on that series? So I'm going to break down these teams real quick. Houston Astros, Travis, they are a team, of course, they've been the standard standard of the American league for several years now, consistently making the ALCS consistently making the world series this year, Travis, and much like the Dodgers, it feels like, no longer the peak version of these dynasties. They're still in many ways in charge of their leagues and of their situations, but just not quite the same level of dominance. You just look at the guys on the team and their performance. It's not been as impressive. And here's my take on it. I think that the Astros in many ways should feel like they're good enough to win the World Series this year. They have the names, but I am... Maybe I'm too low on him, but I am very low on Dusty Baker fielding fielding the team on, fielding the team that is going to win it all. I think that there's a lot of concerns. I mean, Travis Martin Maldonado, he has played 116 games this year. He has over 407 plate appearances. He's batting 191, 258 on base, 348 slugging. He's barely at a 600 OPS. One of the worst hitters in baseball, surely he is playing like an everyday guy. And I know that uh, many people think that he brings a defensive component with, I know he's like had some really big the pick- veteran leadership. He's had some very big pickoffs, Travis guys caught, caught stealing, strike him out, throw him out in the playoffs. Um, a lot to kind of point to with Maldonado and say, Hey, this guy is good for this. And that reason, I think he was last in baseball this year. At least Houston was last in baseball this year in uh, catcher framing. I think there's a lot to kind of be concerned about with Dusty Baker's um, desire to play him so often. Um, I think Yainir Diaz, Travis, he has uh, fewer played appearances, fewer games played. He's 24 years old compared to Maldonado being 36, but he is a much better hitter. He has the much higher average by almost 100 points. He's the higher on base by about 50 points. He's got a higher slug by almost 200 points. So just a far superior batter. I mean, Maldonado has double the strikeouts, and uh, I just feel like Yainer Diaz this year has been so impressive. He needs to be starting these playoff games. I think if you go all out, like best nine for the Astros, that team is so scary. But I just, it's weird. I don't have this concern with many teams, but I just don't think yeah. we're going to see their best nine throughout most of this series, most of this series, and most of these playoffs. Mario Dubon this year has been the slightly below average hitter. Um, I know he brings other intangibles with his speed. Um, and defense, but I think that, you know, you look at a guy like Chaz McCormick, 
Um, he's at 130 OPS plus. He's got fewer games played than Dubon. I know Dubon has played a lot of second base and stuff like that, but when whenever Justin Verlander pitches, Dusty Baker insists on not only catching Maldonado, but also putting Dubon in the outfield for defensive reasons. Like how many defensive assignments do you need to give to a pitcher? Like at some point you got to care about the batting order as well. And I think that putting Dubon in center and benching McCormick in a situation where, you know, just because Verlander's starting, I think that's a mistake. And so I think that there's essentially a lot of things that can go wrong for Houston, especially if they start Maldonado too much. Maybe if they play Dubon over McCormick too much, if there's not enough Yainer Diaz. Um, also looking at some of the guys, Travis, who had lots of plate appearances this year, some not impressive numbers. Um guys across the board. I'm not sure who exactly is going to be in their playoff picture. Guys like Kessinger, guys like John Singleton, you know. Um, but I'm, I'm just seeing lots of um, underwhelming performances. Uh, Jeremy Pena, Travis, this year, a below-average hitter. Jose Abreu this year, Travis, a below-average hitter. Yeah. A below-average hitter. Corey Jolks got a lot of run this year. He has over 300 plate appearances, 93 games played in the outfield. He may see less time with a healthy Brantley now. But I still think that the fact that he had 79 OPS plus and was allowed to play, you know, almost 100 games, it kind of goes to show there are these weak points in this team that might not have existed in the last couple iterations of the team. I still have supreme, supreme faith in Altuve, Bregman, Kyle Tucker, and Jordan Alvarez to hit the ball amazingly in the postseason. This might be the first year where that might not be enough. So overall, there's a lot to like with the Astros um, because they've proven it time and time again. They still have had an underwhelming season from Hunter Brown, from Christian Javier. Um, They've had pitching injuries across the board. They did, uh, it feels like they're getting the best version of Erlander right now. He was pitching well once they picked him back up Mm -hmm. and Framber was pitching well this season too. JP France is pitching great. (laughs) I I, I guess, I guess I'm just feeling like I'm going to short the Astros. I'm going to go ahead and pick the twins to win this series. Um, It's probably a controversial pick. There's some really good bullpen arms in, in, in the Astros favor, but I think the bullpen for the twins is pretty looking pretty nice as well. I think the starting pitching is an advantage towards the twins. And I'm going to go ahead and say that that, that the platooning situation that the twins are good about, um, you know, they, they pinch hit, um, Kyle Farmer for Edward Julian in, in uh, game two. I think they have um, a good sense of exactly what they're going to do in certain matchups, whereas I feel like Dusty might ride or die with the wrong guys. That's mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. understanding. Maybe Dusty surprises me, goes with the best nine, and that best nine wins a, a ring. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, but I'm going to take the unpopular pick. Um, no, no, what's going to happen is Dusty's going to prove you right, and he's going to ride, ride with the... With the with the wrong guy for a long time, but then Jordan Alvarez will just bail him he'll, out. He'll make up for it, right? Jordan will just bail him out again and just uh, and and have a you know a walk off home run to win Game One yeah. like last year. But a uh, two base single, Tucker yeah. double, yeah, yeah, home run by Jordan. It um no, it's it's uh it's it's a good pick. I mean, with, with right now you got to you got to at least think that the the Twins are are feeling good and that they're riding high. Um, and, um, and, and I can, I can understand there, there are some moments where you, you do look at what Dusty does and, and you, you do question a little bit. Uh, but I just think that he might make some tough decisions, but as long as he puts the, you know, five to six core guys in the lineup, um, 
I, I don't care who's hitting eight or eighth or ninth. If it's if it's uh, Martin Maldonado, if it's uh, Jake Myers, or if it's Corey Jolks, I just feel like those uh, those first six or seven guys are gonna are gonna get the job done and still uh, are gonna be able to win ball games uh, with with the offense. And then of course with with Justin Verlander, with with Hunter Brown, with uh, Framber Valdez, I think those guys too can uh, can do a nice job. It's it's just uh, it, I mean acquiring. JV acquiring Justin Verlander back, it just it, it it provides it feel like the same kind of depth and magic they had last year. It's like man, I mean, can, I can't imagine facing Verlander, but then also, you, I mean, you're facing one of the best lefties in the game in Framber Valdez, and one of the best postseason lefties I feel like for the last couple of years it's been Framber, and then Christian Javier, he threw a no hitter last year in the World Series, and I, I just he's another guy that I uh, that 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 shows up in the playoffs as well. Uh, I don't know if JP France has had any postseason experience at starting games, at least. But um, uh, him and Hunter Brown, they're going to have uh, some some interesting roles to see right now. But I mean, I, I think as long as you got that JV Framber Christian Javier trio, I, I think I think that'll do that'll do very nicely in the playoffs, uh, from what I see. So um, th- that's the reason I, I'm leading the Astros, and also I just think that uh, they're going to make it what seven straight years of of league championship series. Uh, uh, appearances so i i can't i can't bet against them right now yeah that's fair and, and this may be a bold take i like what you said about the pitchers for houston i think that the pitching for the twins sets them apart from pretty much every other team in the american league at this point i'm not we've already established i'm not very high on baltimore or texas and their pitching staff yep. especially the starters i do love the starters for the twins a lot pablo lopez sunny gray joe ryan all very good pitchers um, Joe Ryan's ERA might be a little bit high um, than you would, higher than you'd expect, but I think that he um, might have allowed a few too many home runs, some bad luck there. I think that he is going to be pitching very well in the playoffs, I hope. Uh, and Bailey Ober, someone who he got demoted for some time this season. I'm not sure if they plan on using him in a starting role at all, but I, mm-hmm. I, I would. I, I'm very high on what he's capable of. Um, I think some people might have theorized he may have burnt out a bit um, during the season because he started so strong, had like three really bad outings. They just demoted him and he was in the minors for a while. So maybe they're trying to rest him a bit, pace him out. Um, and then their bullpen, Travis, Yohan Duran, I mean, Electric, espe- yeah. especially with the injury to Batista, he could be the best relief pitcher left in the playoffs. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. He somehow throws a 101 fastball and a 98 mile an hour splitter it's just something that no other human being can do that he is able to do pretty yeah. consistently i was worried about him because I, I he had a i think a cut on his finger warming up in the mm. ninth for game two and then the trainers came out and then he started the inning with two balls that were three or more feet out of the strike zone mm. and i was like oh god is this like the rick and keel like start but like it was obviously an injury not the yips but i was just like Oh Jesus! This cut gonna cost him, and and they automatically after ball two, they automatically panned uh, the camera over to the bullpen, and Emilio Pagan was already warming up, and I was like, that's at least a good move by uh, by Rocco Baldelli. Like not like I, I feel like so many managers are like, nope, nope, I'm gonna trust my guy. He's the guy I'm going with, and it's like, no, no, no. If 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 he starts the at bat off bad, I am automatically going to the phone and saying, get these two guys up right now, like just as backup. But so many times people are thinking like. Well, that means you don't have trust in your in your closer. It's like, no, I do, but I just this is the playoffs. I I I, I need to have be prepared for uh, the worst. I, I need to make sure I can win this ball game, right? So, um, uh, kind of like how we uh, we approach, you know, only the show. Like, you know, we do, when we do our matchups, you always you have guys. Be ready. Warming, 
always got two guys in the bullpen ready to go in case someone just doesn't doesn't have it that night but uh but be, beyond um, Duran, you mentioned Pagan. He is someone who is a below three ERA out of the pen. And I thought he was washed. I, I think last year, Alex, he was on his way to another, yeah, another season of a of a four, uh, a plus four ERA. And you know, he did not end his um, did not end or did not have a good time in San Diego. Uh, did not uh, pitch you know very well there. But uh, very very impressed for what he's done this year was shocked that he has an ERA below three right now. And then Griffin Jacks is a guy in their pen that many people, um, if you haven't been paying close attention to the twins, you might not be super aware of him, but he's been really great the last couple seasons. Um, some good, uh, FIP numbers to kind of back up his low ERAs. I think he is someone who's very legit. Uh, and I think their bullpen and their rotation might come as a surprise to Houston a bit. Obviously, Houston's offense has such an impressive postseason track record that they might just blow this Twins team out. But I think this Twins team also, if I'm not mistaken, led MLB in strikeouts, at least the American League in strikeouts this regular season. So it just kind of shows a commitment by the Twins uh, organization as a whole um, towards this philosophy of you know striking guys out, um, employing lots of uh, power arms, um, both in the rotation and the bullpen. So I think that overall this Twins team is going to surprise, so I'm going to pick them. Okay, okay. so we have uh, Twins uh, Twins Rangers uh, ALCS, and then, of course, uh, for you on your side, you had a Dodgers and Braves uh, League Championship Series. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm curious to see who will be uh, – you won, you won the wild card battle. We'll see about the uh, – yeah, I think I won it three to one, right? Uh, I believe I know I chose the Blue Jays and I chose the Brewers in in the series that you picked the right one. So mm-hmm. um, we both lost Tam- or Tampa and yeah. uh, Rangers. We both won. Uh, yeah, so right. Yeah, I think uh, you had three right and uh, three to my one. And uh, quick, quick fun it'll be game. Fun to see this one. Let's let's we should have done this probably last episode, but just quick, just say a name that you think feels right. Who is going to be the World Series MVP? Just right now, just not not too much going on it. Just I want to hear a name. Jeez. Um, Putting you on the spot. I know, I know. I'm like trying to think like who who's going to be there? Um, God, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Corey Seager. Corey Seager. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it's that's, it's, it's it's too like it's, it's a fun choice. It's it's a fun choice. It's people would be like, yeah, it's a pretty smart choice. Like you know, he was he was he was World Series MVP before, and yeah, maybe that's it's hard to have two World Series MVPs, but um, I just feel like he is such a complete hitter, and and I I'm high on the Rangers right now, at least from what I saw in the Wild Card series. We'll see what happens after the uh, after after the league division series but uh i think that he just he's so primed for the moment alex i i i've not seen a hitter much like him this year where uh where where he's just been when been clicking when he's healthy so that was uh that was my on the spot i was trying to just think like who who do i see in the in the world series like that, that that's a tough one right there but um yeah i i'll just lean with Corey seager i think that's a good pick a very fair pick I am stuck between a couple names in the okay. same team. I am going to go ahead and just give a Hail Mary prediction to 
Max Kepler. Okay. Um, that's going to be my Hail Mary pick. Wow. Um, all right. I, all right. Al, AJ has the uh, Minnesota Twins. All I, right. I, I, I think that Edward Julian is someone to really keep your eye on as a second baseman. Lefty, lots of power, really good play discipline. But um, it, he walks a crazy amount for a guy who's uh, his age. He's only 24. That being said, uh, they did pinch hit for him in game two. I think they're going to platoon him. So might be hard to win a World Series MVP if you're being platooned for. But, mm-hmm. but, but at the same time, Travis... Soler wasn't being used every single game for all of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, World Series MVP. You know, they, they, yeah. they, they rode the hot bat it was, it in, was, in the big series. It was Jock, then it was Eduardo, and then it was Jorge. So, yeah, yeah, very, very true. Because, I mean, yeah, you could say, um, I think, I, I think Jorge, I think Soler was out like the league championship series. He, I don't even think he played in that series, correct? I'm trying to remember. You may be right. I, I remember I, he was like gone. They're like, oh, he's been activated now. And it's like, oh, like they don't need him. <laughs> yeah, they, they do, yeah. Because because I think against the lefties, they really focused on, sorry, I guess righty pitchers, they focused on making sure Jock played. And Eduardo. And, uh, and uh, Rosario played yeah. and then probably a Duval in center. But yeah, yeah um, I think that I'm really excited. I, I'm I'm pumped. I I love these series. I think that it's it's teams that we do not see very often, and um, it, it could be a very unconventional, uh, you know, World Series this year. I mean, imagine Alex if we see like a Twins Orioles League Championship Series, and then we see like a, a Atlanta Arizona. Like just we, we just you know I know Atlanta or the Phillies are are you know teams that have had a lot of postseason success in the last couple of years, but I mean. It, 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 we, we were thinking the Padres, the Mets, the Yankees, the you know the Blue Jays. We we're thinking so many teams that could make a run to the World Series this year. Um, but it, it really could shape up to be a really fun uh, and interesting World Series that we have not seen before. But that's why I'm I'm pumped to see exactly what happens. And it all starts Saturday. All four games on Saturday. So you know where my butt's going to be Alex is uh on the couch on the couch that's right it's uh it's uh college football and it is playoff baseball so I'm, I'm trying to configure how I can get like two TVs into my living room maybe I just move one from one of the bedrooms and just put it out there and then I can just like have my laptop plugged into one of the TVs for the HDMI stream maybe baseball and then on the other one I have you know college football on and then you know I'll switch it up vice versa if maybe more important baseball games on I'll put it on the uh, cable channel and Charles, I mean, I'm, I'm just glad you're asking fun. You know, I'm just glad you're asking the important questions, right? <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to plan ahead and figure out the Saturday. So much will be going on in the world of sports, particularly. Already told in, the fiance, it's it's. I mean, it's it's. Talk last, talk to you on Monday. <laughs> you had me last weekend, but this Saturday, it's it's uh, it's it's you you either in the house or you're 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 out of the house. So that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. So Bring me snacks. <laughs> a quick refill. No, um, Travis. Before we wrap up this episode, let's just do a quick. A few minutes on some of the noise in the MLB that's not in regards to the playoffs. Two quick points. First quick point, Phil Nevin is no longer the coach of the Angels. Um, one of the quick decisions made uh, so far this offseason. There's been other things in the MLB, like I think Francona announcing retirement and other stuff like that. But And I think I'm, also uh, yeah, Buck Showalter was either let go or he resigned from uh right. from the Mets but yeah, yeah. Ne- the Nevin situation was much even though they they kind they always say part ways or whatever but it's very clear that Nevin wanted to stay and is not getting that opportunity to do so um it feels like there's so much buzz right now Travis about Showalter potentially going to the Angels I've been writing this Craig Council thing um just because 
I just saw buzz months back about he's going to be a free agent coach. His contract expires after this season and they didn't extend them. And it just feels like a team that, you know, I think he likes being there. He played there. I think he likes a lot of the players in the team. He's glad that he's kind of been at the helm of this run that they've been on um, the last few, last several seasons. But that being said, I mean, a consistently losing early in the playoffs, consistently not fielding, um, as talented of a team as possible, considering the limitations financially given by the owner to the front office. I think that those could be factors. I mean, I don't know Craig Council that well at all, but there are definitely some people who would prefer living in Southern California to uh, Milwaukee. Maybe maybe he's a big hunter, Travis. I, I do not know the answer. Big Brock guy, you know? He, yeah. he, he might just love... The loves mid, the Bucks, the, the, the Badgers, the Packers, and the Brewers, you know? But I think, I think that he... Uh, he maybe he could be a Midwest guy, but I do think that there are reasons to leave that situation. I mean, we already see the signs of, you know, Burns being unhappy about arbitration hearings. He's got one year left. Woodruff's got one year left. I could see them flipping either of those guys. Um, I'm not going to say their current run is over that they're on, but, you know, it could it could uh, gear that way if things don't um, have a bit of a switch up. So I was riding the council to uh, Angels hype train mm -hmm. um a lot of people pointing to showalter because buck showalter has connections to general manager perry manassian i think perry was like a ball boy for texas or something like that he yeah, was just some sort of like the uh what, the early 2000s or something yeah and then i think uh there was a time where showalter was coaching and um they were in the dugout together basically yeah, but yeah. It's, it's just kind of funny how that you know imagine getting hired like 20 years 30 years later from like the by your ball boy <laughs> a, a, a kid a kid a little kid that was in your dugout but it, it's just really funny he's um, now he's now calling the shots and yelling at you <laughs> and, and 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 one thing i do know perry may love the idea of showalter because they have a connection i feel like stylistically it's not a very good fit i feel like um Perry had significant issues with Joe Madden because Joe Madden knew how he wanted to do things. There was a level of baseball history in his mind, a level of baseball experience, you know, lots of mileage of baseball um, in, in just him as a, as a player and a coach that they feel like they really know what they want to do in certain situations. But Perry Manassian, in my mind, is someone who really wants to coach to be on the same page as the front office when it comes to decision making yep. in game decision making with the lineups things like that um bullpen decisions i think that nevin was probably more open to being receptive to what the front office was telling him unlike madden um and i don't think nevin is necessarily you know uh management material at the current moment um so i i, I am in, in some ways uh, glad that they're moving on from him but that being said I feel like Showalter is more in the Joe Madden vein than he is in the, you know, modern day manager where they're really pulling pitchers early and and uh, listening to the front office step by step. I think that Showalter is kind of uh, not not in that line. I think Showalter kind of famously, Travis, he, I think he got made fun of a bit because the Orioles, um, when they had a really dominant year in the mid to in the mid 2010s and uh, their reliever Britton, their closer had one of the best closer seasons of our lifetime. He didn't pitch in the playoffs that yeah, year. Yeah, 2015. 
they didn't want to put him in in a tie game in like the eighth inning. They wanted to instead wait for the ninth or wait for extra. I think I think it was tied in the ninth, and instead of putting in their best reliever, they wanted to save him for the save in extra innings. Well, guess what? It did not go to extra innings. They lost there. So I think that's kind of an example of um, a manager who would not, in my mind, align with the philosophies of a uh, Perry Manassian. That being said, Artie Moreno is going to have some say in the matter without question, and he likes a big name. Travis, I just talked for a while. Tell me what you think about the decision upcoming with the Angels manager. Yeah, I would I would disagree with Artie because I don't think Buck is a big name. I, I think he is a, a name that is, you know, constantly thrown out there, but um, I don't know. I just, I don't like the fit. I don't think, especially with how this offseason is going down. I mean, right now, Shohei is a free agent. Um, we have tons and tons of pieces to look at and hopefully improve upon. And I just don't think that Buck is the kind of guy that's ready for a, um, a, a scenario that he would be put in for the angels. And, and, you know, I, I, like I like I mentioned, he's 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 been on a lot of of teams throughout my life. Uh, coached a lot of teams, but I just don't see him having success with this Angels team and and really getting all the players to buy in. I just think that we need a. I think I mentioned to you today. I think we just need a guy that's that's a played the century. You know, actually was an active player sometime this century, and someone that. Um, will uh, develop a good relationship with with the with our GM Perry and uh, will be um, you know uh, I guess somewhat more of the modern idea of, of baseball you know that you know the guys like Buck showalter Dusty Baker you know Bruce Bochi I think uh, certain teams will will uh, will have success with them but I just think the angels need a uh, a, a new a new mind to uh, to take helm for this uh, for this ball club. So uh, again, I, I, if it's Craig Council, I I would actually be pretty happy. I I, I think he's had a lot of success, especially with you know basically having a great pitching staff and a pretty basic uh, offense for all of his years. And uh, except for the years, but he had you know Yelich was going off. But um, yeah, I I think that we need to take a step back and and make a better, I would say make a better choice than Buck Showalter. I just don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to help us, uh, you know, get to the playoffs and, and, and have success in the playoffs. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you three quick options. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Cause I'm, I'm literally, I was thinking like who is a free agent or who's a guy that I would and, go after. And these are not going to be options just in name, but more types of managers. Yeah. So option number one, internal hire, this could be angels bench coach. This could be, well, I love Matt wise. Yeah. This could be angels, um, I don't know what kind of coach Benji Gill is. I don't think he's the bench coach. He's the something else coach, but he did coach Team Mexico. Some fans like that idea. But So I'm just going to say, hold yeah. on, let me just give you the, all the options first. So there's internal hire, guys like Benji Gill. I forget, um, Montgomery, I think, is the name of, oh, yeah. of yeah, the bench yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah. So internal hire is option one. Option two is a guy you've heard of, and that's just going to be like a council, uh, a show Walter. Option three is a guy you've never heard of. And that's going to be like, yeah. imagine like the Astros bench coach or like yeah. the Texas Rangers bench coach, just someone who is not really on your radar. Kind of like Travis, honestly, Perry Manassian was not on our radar at all when the Indians went to go hire a GM um, and they went and got him. And I think he's been done a pretty good job. We didn't go chase down like a huge big name GM 
um, we went kind of more under the radar there. So do you want an internal hire, a guy you know, or a guy you don't know? If we were, if we were a very successful team and, and let's just say our manager was retiring, I would definitely be in favor of an internal hire because he's he's been adapted in, into that system. But no one right now in the Angels coaching staff or in their system is is accustomed to winning uh, a winning culture. And I, I we definitely have to go outside of that. So that's definitely been canceled. Um, you know, someone I do know the name of is always nice because you can kind of look at the history. But some in some cases, that's also a bad thing because you can kind of take a deep dive into the past and maybe his glory days are all in the past. They're not in the future. I think there is some um, optimism and, and uh, excitement for guys that you don't really know of that maybe are bench coaches for some of these really successful teams. Maybe there's a bench coach on the Atlanta Braves that knew Perry back in, you know, I, I don't know, back in when, when he was working with the Braves organization that has been working under, you know, Brian Snicker and and uh, has has really helped develop all those studs with the Atlanta Braves that now want to become a manager and will be a first-time manager. Maybe he's coming to the Angels. You know, something like that where you have a successful team that, uh, you know, has a good coaching staff. And one of them, it's their time to go and manage. And, you know, that would be, I think, my first choice is someone that I really haven't heard of but might have been, you know, a key, key bench coach or role player on a, uh, a championship-level team like the Atlanta Braves or even like the L.A. Dodgers or or like the Phillies or something like that. But um, I, I think that'd be my first choice right now because uh, it, it's just a fresh start. And I think that would give him a very good, a very good relationship with the players. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I just think that would, that'd be, that, that would work more. That, that's just all I'm saying right there. Uh, I, Travis, you said it absolutely perfectly. I pretty much have nothing to add. Um, I agree with how you broke that down. I think there are teams like the Astros even Texas, even though it's a new thing with Texas, I feel like it's pretty sustainable because their offense really jumped yeah. across the board. Um, I think that there's teams like Texas who could have a bench coach. Um, I know that Perry has connections with Atlanta and with the Brewers, I believe. And so like in terms of past history, so maybe grabbing guys from those organizations. But We get the Brewers pitching coach and Braves hitting coach. Just just, just, just combine. <laughs> just, just bring in the best guys on every team. And, just, and Joe Girardi's leading the ship. <laughs> no, I don't know. See, and, 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 and that's an example of a name yeah. that we know, right? Yeah. That, yeah. that might not be the most exciting And that's where us. Artie needs to just kind of shut his mouth and just let Perry kind of cook. And, uh, you know, I... I yeah, I, the the big name hire is is gonna haunt me if it does happen this year. Because I mean, if it's if it maybe it's not the the right big name hire. And you know, whenever Twitter is throwing out names like um, uh, who who were oh 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 I'm I'm sorry. You know you know Twitter's throwing out Benji Gill. They're throwing out you know bring Tim Salmon back, bring David Eckstein back as a hitting coach. You know just all this mumbo jumbo. It's like they just cannot they cannot forget 2002 and they just think that the answer is bringing back everyone from the 2002 team um and basically letting them uh you know take over <laughs> it's like you're basically letting the 2002 roster take over the angels coaching staff and then it's just like you're you're trying to adapt with today's you know today's model and you look back at the 2002 team i mean there was a lot of luck involved and it was a season where they were not supposed to win but right. they just it the, the the stars aligned and they were able to get it done and played a good three weeks of baseball but um, I, I think that, yeah, I, I, I was, I was betting that we would agree on that one because, um, I just think we need a new, uh, a new philosophy. You know, Phil Nevin was a name we really hadn't heard of, but we know that he was selected by, uh, Joe Madden to, 
uh, you know, basically, I think he was what the third base coach for um, for the Yankees and then the for Yan- us. Yeah, for the Yankees and then us. So I, Joe Madden was one guy that uh, that uh, selected him, and uh, then he became the interim, and then he became the manager last year. But the only, I think, the only reason uh, Nevin really stayed on last year is because um, he uh, the the sale of the team. You know, we didn't know what was right. going to happen, so Perry had to basically lock him up for a year and um and and go along with it but yeah i think i think a fresh face would be would be very interesting yeah uh just the last point on the matter an example you said the words like a big name coach could just haunt me and that's how i felt about joe madden because i feel like we didn't give brad osmus a fair run at the team yeah he was uh coach for one season uh they only won 72 games in 2019 under his uh, regime, but I mean the team was very lackluster. Otani at the time was not an all-star type of guy. He was a above-average hitter, a fairly solid hitter, but not uh, an amazing all-star DH. And he also was not pitching at all. Trout was uh, the MVP that year, uh, but Cole Calhoun and Goodwin were like decent, like average bats. And then the rest of the team, pretty much, the rest of the starters were below average. Tommy LaStella was um, all-star status, but got hurt. And then the pitching staff, Travis, was just one of the saddest assemblies of arms we've seen in a long time. I mean, the opening day starter, I think, was Trevor Cahill, who had a, almost a 6 ERA. Um, I mean, I don't know who the ace of this team was, but, I mean, Heaney was almost a 5 ERA. Canning was about an league average pitcher. Of course, that's the year Tyler Skagg also um unfortunately passed away they're just you can look down the list of of pitchers that um were not able to contribute as much as hoped and the bullpen had some 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 shining names like hansel robles hansel robles and cambridgeosian but overall travis that team in my mind them winning 70 games with all those injuries also albert pools playing 131 games in, in just one of his like weakest performances as an angel i think there's lots of signs that kind of point to a reunion there that could be in my mind pretty beneficial i'm not saying osmus is going to want to come back necessarily because we gave him one year and then cut him loose but he has since worked um on a lot of other teams um contributing um he which team was he a bench coach of this year was it the astros or was it you the- know i was it the A's? Could not tell you. Yeah. I'm gonna look yeah. it up right now, just because yeah. I feel like. And, and, and I will say my a, my take on that, Alex. I think that the the relationship has kind of been. Uh, you could be put right. To bed with him and Artie. You could uh, be right. I don't think that, and he knows. It, and we all know it was unfair. You know, Brad gets one year at this, then Joe Madden gets. Uh, you know, basically is is the free agent for the um, for the managers, and I know. Me personally, I was on board and I know a lot of Angel fans were on board of, you know, get this guy Joe Madden because he knows how to win. He put the Angel cap on when he won the World Series for the Chicago Cubs. You know, he's changed franchises. He changed the Rays. He also changed the uh, the Cubs and he won them their first ring in, you know, 100 plus years. So I was on board with the Joe Madden hiring. And when he was uh, let go by the Cubs, I was absolutely in on that and um and jumped on that bandwagon to get joe madden that you know of course it, it just did not turn out how we all wanted it to but um it was I, I i think we could all admit it was a um it was a premature firing of of brad osmus you can't really say hey go out there and win in one year with all these injuries 
and uh, you know, if you don't, you're going to get fired. Then you know, no, most managers are uh, are uh, are not going to take too kindly to that. It's kind of like the whole Moneyball scene where, uh, uh, who's the actor? Our, uh, <laughs> Philip Seymour yeah, Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman is just like Our, how you got to like, talk about my contract. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> It's not, there's not a lot of faith there. Yeah. Or the manager operating on a one year contract. Yeah. Yeah. Which but, I mean, it's true because it's like I'm basically being judged after every single game where I don't have the, the, the comfort level of, of managing how I want to. Maybe I have to, you know, act a little bit uncharacteristically when I'm just operating on a one year deal. So, um, that's a great yeah. point. It's a yeah. great point. Um, and it's just the classic example of Angels went the flashy route without giving the other route a fair shot. Um, like we said, Osmus had injuries. He was doing some fun things in my mind. He's using openers to kind of help our really weak rotation. So I'd like to see him get a second shot. I don't think it's going to happen. It's just something that came yeah. to mind when you talked about, um, the path we may go down. So, um, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Let's do a, a name we haven't heard of and let's have some fun with it. But Travis, let's quickly, before we wrap up, talk about Billy Epler. Um, of course the, um, the Mets hired, I think his name is David Stearns. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, he, like, well, isn't that the name of the NBA commissioner, old guy? That's why I feel like it's something else. Stearns. Something Stearns. Yeah. Yeah. David Stearns. Is this the right guy? Must be, right? That is the right guy. Yeah. yeah. So he was he was uh, an operations uh, baseball executive with the Brewers, and now he is employed by the New York Mets. They brought him in. He's obviously someone who is uh, really smart. He's sort of... Uh, in analytics, you know, guy, I mean, he, he organized this Brewers team that's made on a super low budget. And I feel like this guy's had no financial help from ownership whatsoever and managed to field a playoff team every year. We look at the names in the team and it surprises us that they can manage to win that division consistently. But he is now in the Mets organization and that has led to a Billy Epler resignation because he's no longer that clear voice in the in the front office even though he he could have remained gm but he'd be answering to stearns now then just today after the resignation we find out he's under investigation for uh mismanagement of players putting them in the il uh when they shouldn't be and that is just really confusing to me travis because i think if (laughs) If they start investigating every team that broke that, I know the Dodgers do that quite regularly. I know the Angels this year um, put you're, multiple. You're going to get hurt in the second inning. Just go with it. They yeah. put multiple guys on the IL who just kind of were playing really badly, and there are players on the 40 man roster that they, they couldn't afford to cut completely. Yeah. So they yeah. just kind of put them on the 60 day IL and said, "Just chill for a bit. Um, you'll keep getting paid," kind of thing. So. Um, Interesting decision. Do you have any thoughts on the matter? Epler, do you think he gets a job somewhere else? Do you think anything comes of this at all? Yeah, I, you know, his job was, I don't want to say easy, but. He got a big budget. He got a he big signed, budget. He sent some big names. Which was nice. And that's always going to go far with, uh, you know, when you are meeting with uh, free agents and saying, hey, I have an owner that's willing to spend whatever you want. We can blow anyone's budget out of the water and uh, you let me know if you want to play in New York. And uh, that's a pretty easy job. And, you know, uh, you know, unless you're, you know, Tampa Bay's GM or, you know, you are a, a smaller budget GM that has to find a way to put a, you know, winning product on the field. But um, 
yeah, I, I don't know too much of, of what will happen. And like you mentioned, you said it perfectly. I, I think if you investigated every other team that you'd find the same way. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we saw guys that went on the IL that, uh, were just not playing well. And you were like, thank God, like it's, it's, it's time for a break. And like you said, we don't have to basically drop them off the, uh, off the you know the 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 forty man roster, we can basically just put him on the IL, and then we can bring up a new guy, and he can take the spot on the uh, on the you know major league roster. So, yeah, I I don't know too too much, and and with Epler, I'm, I'm sure he'll probably go back to a front office job somewhere with some team, um, and maybe have to um, maybe he'll have to do that for a couple of years, and then maybe he'll earn another spot with a GM job somewhere. But um, you know, right now, you know, I will say Epler's. Um, the 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 vibe you get from Epler is that you know he he doesn't really have too too much success uh so far with his uh GM uh his GM days you know with the Angels and the Mets you look at both those and those are just two failed experiments that um that just didn't go right so uh you know we'll we'll see what happens I, I don't really know to make too too much of this before we know the whole story but yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's just one of those things. So yeah. I think Epler has done well to sign big names. Obviously, the Angels um, have a track record of bringing in big names. I know he signed Anthony Rendon. Um, he was in the mix for other big names uh, while with the Angels. And he, of course, with the Mets, he had a huge budget, was able to bring in a lot of talented uh, both hitters and pitchers. Things obviously crashed and burned this year for him and for them. At the deadline, I think, in my mind, he did a really good job of bringing in uh, yes. very valuable prospects by agreeing to pay more money. And some of that is kudos to Cohen for being willing to pay more money um, to the guys they're sending out of to pretty much play against them and you're paying them. Um, that way you can get better prospects in return. So I think Epler did good to make deals for some guys that really bolstered their farm. And, you know, the next, uh, the next front office might benefit off some of those decisions. But I think you're right in that. Overall, I'm not going to say that Epler definitely deserved to be out for this season, but um, it's not a good look or a good situation um, after the way this year went for the Mets. So it makes sense that he's not going to be there. I still feel like um, some of the decisions he made at the deadline might come back to be a big positive yeah. for the Mets' future. But I think David Stearns is someone who it's just like a classic, um, a classic hire of a guy who... It seems very competent you're bringing in to make the decisions for your team. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, you definitely can do the, uh, you, you could, you could look at the Mets the last two years and say, you know, yeah, they won 101 games and, um, they had a great season in, in 2022. Uh, it wasn't a good season in, in, you know, 2023. Uh, but you know, I know end of day, you're going to say to yourself, they won zero division titles and they had, zero uh playoff series wins and you know i know that's kind of a uh, a broad overlook of the mets the last two years but uh that's what uh that's what the team's going to look at and that's what the fans are going to look at and the owner's going to look at and if, if you can't deliver results then you know that's going to be something that they'll uh, they'll be moving on from but it already looked like there was uh they were shaping up for a uh, a new change in uh in in management in the front office so it, it it's not really a surprise with the mets kind of dumping the coaching staff and now the GM to kind of turn the page and hopefully um, we'll see what happens next year. I, 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 I'm curious to see what kind of off season they have. If they're, if they're committed to a 
rebuild or if they're going to start, you know, keep spending money. Cause you know, like I said, they dumped a lot of money with some of these free agents and trades, but um, I wonder if Cohen's just going to kind of like think and want to show the baseball world that like, no, I'm still out going to go out there and, and, you know, get some big players, but I, 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 you know, we'll see if he's cautious at all. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place to end that conversation. We'll put a, a cap on it. Um, right before I'm about to end the episode, I see a tweet from John Morosi. It's funny that I brought his name up, but John Morosi tweeted that Brad Osmus, former Tigers and Angels manager, is interested in pursuing MLB managerial openings this offseason. He interviewed for the Astros GM position last offseason and served as Team Israel's bench coach in the 23 World Baseball Classic. I also know that he was the 2022 athletics bench coach. So um, it's very interesting that um, I brought him up and he is throwing his hat in the ring because there are going to be coaching openings across the league. I mean, I could see him going um, interviewing for the Angels if that bridge that you mentioned is not burned, which it definitely could be. But I mean, the Mets are going to need a coach. Um, I wonder what the Brewers do about council if they let if they i mean maybe council wants a raise because this team keeps making the playoffs and uh he's living in milwaukee if he doesn't absolutely love it there maybe there's a chance he wants a bigger market that has uh a team that's going to spend more money on the on the field product um so maybe he wants a raise doesn't get one because it's the brewers and gabe Gabe capillary is out as out of uh out of the giant system right you're now. right you're right there's i mean there's a good handful melvin of, though is staying in the padre system and preller staying i mean and and one bold one to say and i know dodger fans always love to just throw this out there but if for some reason the diamondbacks sweep or or just take it to the dodgers you could potentially see a a uh a dave roberts firing too if they do not deliver in this division series you know winning 100 games i mean you're going up for manager of the year, you know, and, and right now I think the Dodgers uh, or right now manager of the year, I'm sure Dave Roberts name will be in the hat because you won a hundred games with this roster and with all these injuries on the, on the, on the pitching staff um, that that's really impressive. But, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, he, that could potentially be a, an opening if, if, if they don't get the results they want, but you're right. I, there, there are a lot of names and there are a lot of teams that are, uh, that I, I think will be, um, uh, looking at a new manager towards the uh, uh, beginning of next year. One team, I, I I think they confirmed they're going to keep him, but I would just let him go as the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't think Marmol is a is a good coach. Uh, I mean, the he made that crucial decision. I think last year in the playoffs, I think he left like Hel- Hensley in or Helsley in too long, and then that that blew up in the ninth for that game one, and I was just like, "What are you thinking? Like, just go get another pitcher. Like, if your guy cannot do it that day." Don't just put the trust and be like, he's going to do it and get the job done, but end up losing game one and then game two. But um, that's one manager I've always thought the Cardinals should should part ways with because it just seems like he, he underperforms. So. Yeah, and, and there's probably a handful of guys that um, may have jobs in question uh, by come of the offseason. And I think that um, a guy like Osmond throwing hat in, his hat in the ring um, will likely lead to a hiring. So, Travis, let's just wrap it up there. We have eclipsed two hours, definitely a long one, but I feel like a pretty good one. If you listeners made it this far, we appreciate you so much. Next week, or actually sooner than that, or whenever the next round ends, we'll just come at you guys with a new episode, recapping the division series, uh, introducing our thoughts on the championship series. We couldn't be more excited. We'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>